On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are turning over a new leaf with Villanelle in The Return of Killing Eve on BBC One, taking on the healthcare industry with Amanda Seyfried in The Dropout on Disney Plus, and putting the fun back into Moving House, along with Courtney Cox in Shining Vale on Stars Play. Plus, Joe Dempsey drops by the show to tell us all about his new show, Pieces of Her, on Netflix. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, a show that must confess to being... A touch underprepared for the... Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I haven't seen anything. I don't even know what we're covering. So let me put this in context slightly. I've come straight from the airport today. I have not slept. I cannot emphasize that enough. And I only have a vague... I have a vague idea of the shows we're doing only from like the back and forth on the Pilot TV WhatsApp group. Um, So... You know, this is a good thing. This makes the show more suspenseful. I mean, to me, anyway. Uh, so so that's nice. But but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because I am, of course, joined by my two co-hosts, who I very strongly hope are slightly more clued up as to what's going on. Because if not, this is going to be a really, really short episode. Not really. I didn't get much sleep last night because I was watching the outbreak of World War Three on CNN at 3 Yeah, in the it's been distracting, hasn't it? Yeah, so I that's, was very uh... much distracted. Anyway, I'm joined by Sir Boyd of Hilton and the newly anointed Marchioness of Hexham, Lady Bethany Webb. Hello. Hello. How are we? <laughs> Doing. What shows are we doing this week? Maybe, or maybe should we leave it to the review section? You can surprise me. I don't know. Is yeah. it the ones I said is at the top? Mean, is that right? Are, that, are those the ones we're doing? Pretty much. Was that accurate? Mean, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you've got okay. it. Does yeah. it mean you haven't watched them? Well, we'll, we'll get to that in the review oh, okay. section. <laughs> <laughs> I have very little clue what this show is a about or b what I'm mm. going to be saying because, mm. uh, as I've said, I have come from the airport. I have not slept. I have prepared nothing. I have watched almost nothing. These are my favourite ones. Do you remember the other time he was yeah. dead sleepy just, yeah, and he just great. sat quietly in the just, corner. Yeah, that's it. So Maybe right. I'll just sit here and what snooze. His, what was his and... excuse then? Was he, did he have a night was that out the or night something? Oh, night oh, clubbing. Oh, this was the, it's my beard after dark, wasn't it? It's yeah. when yeah. I'd Day ended up after hours. Yeah, when yeah. I'd ended up in some yeah. random sort of uh, Ryan Murphy esque hotel yeah. in the mm. East End. Yeah, yeah. that was lovely, wasn't it? Special episode. That was yeah, my beard after hours moment. So yeah, I haven't had that. I just I just came from the airport and and it's you know economy flights are brutal as you will know. So privilege, the privilege stinks. I know, Absolutely I know. Sickening. And you know how I promised that I was going to spend all this time on my flight. I was going, I was going to watch all this yes. stuff. I was really excited. Yes, why yeah. that bullshit? Yeah, it didn't go well. I'm not going to lie. So, so well. I did watch some things. I watched some things on the flight out for the other podcast. I think. Uh, yeah. Some films. Okay, sure. For the some, other some of that. Some of that. But, yeah. but, but, Outrageous. but on the way back. So, so as as I did, we mention last week. I'm pretty sure we mentioned last week. I went to to uh, Florida to go <sighs> to the Star Wars. <laughs> Galactic Star Cruiser experience, which is uh, rather than the hotel, it is a two-night immersive sort of event thing where I go on. I went. On, I was in space. Essentially, is what I'm telling mm. you. Yeah. I was in space, mm. and yeah. as you will know, you don't get streaming services in space. No. So it was difficult for me to in watch space. Things. No one can hear you stream. Oh, well, that's ah! very good. Oh, this that's is very why. good. See, if I were this more awake, this is why boy gets the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, that's, that's good. If I was more what? awake, I'd have come up with something nowhere near as good as that. So, yeah. but I, I didn't have that opportunity. No. But um, yeah, so on the way out to to space, on the way to space, uh, I watched. I watched all of Wolf Like Me which I love absolutely right, love that was last week's review yeah, yeah I know but I'm just saying I watched okay, the whole okay. of it like oh, I, right, I went yeah. in and I watched okay. I watched all of uh, 
of Wolf Like Me, and um, and and I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was lovely, did, and so, I thought it was. It was so my delightful. question is, did you do you see the transformation in, into actual wolf? I don't think I want to be dropping spoilers oh. on this Ooh. podcast, boy. Okay, I don't want to be dropping spoilers. I will say that uh, it ends in a very ambiguous, very subtle, possibly divisive way, but I really mm. enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, and I, I I just thought it was a lovely show, and it was it was all it was all all all, all the metaphors wow. all the time, and yeah, I couldn't stop watching it. I watched them all back to back on the plane, so that was great. Uh, what else did I watched? I uh, I watched one more episode of Station Eleven, episode five, and then stopped. Uh, it was uh, it was it was a good one though. It was a good one. It's all set in a in, the, in a terminal in the airport. Yeah, terminal. I've was just that finished one. that. Yeah, one. Oh, I really want to see that. Yeah, one. That I love a good terminal one. set. Um, yeah. uh, stuff. I enjoyed that one. Like it was like terminal. a. Yeah. I love terminal. I love, I love set terminal stuff. How many? How <laughs> many in that show? Oh, there's quite a lot. There's some, there's a whole special episode of um, what was that BBC sitcom about the parents and the family outnumbered yeah. set in an airport, which was brilliant. Was Best episode ever. The film, obviously, the terminal. I Anything love set in how an airport. Readily I like, yes. available. You, you like an air, you like an an airport terminal. Yeah, I love an airport. Okay, set. okay. <laughs> episode. Well, then that episode would have uh, been right up your alley. Yeah. I watched the most recent episode of Star Trek Disco, mm. uh, which was better. I mean, it was, you were it was, whining about it, it was fra- <laughs> It's true. It was fractionally better. Okay. It was fractionally better than the previous okay. ones. Okay. But but like not by huge degrees. Right. So so there was that. Um, I didn't watch any more episodes of The Shield, but I will say Entertainment Weekly, uh, rival publication, but still. Um, they. Um, well, I mean, they are ceasing to publish, so it's not that... Well, as a physical magazine. Yeah. They, they continue on the it's website, and deal. on their website, they have right. got a beautiful, in-depth, massively long oral history of Sean Ryan's The Shield. Oh. Uh, which is fucking brilliant. It's a really good, uh, really good oral history. I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, if you can't find it, I tweeted about it yesterday, so you can find it on my timeline. Uh, but it's very good. That's worth looking at. And randomly on on the way out, you know, instead of watching, I don't know, the things I was supposed to be watching, mm. uh, I started watching Cracker from the beginning. Oh, oh my god! So James, you know, wow, but, James. But for so many reasons, because obviously it's Jimmy McGovern being brilliant and it's amazing, but. Bear in mind, so the first season of Cracker is, I want to say, 1993. It's about 93. That's 30 years old. And Adrian Dunbar... Bless him oh. in his mid thirties, looking like a little baby, a little baby in the first episode, and it's like, and he's a guy with amnesia, and Robbie Coltrane is just bellowing at him for most of the episode, uh, and it's this little baby. So he's the villain, is he? He's the he's the. Uh, well, is he? Is he boy? Spoiler alert! Is he boy? Yes. Spoilers! Spoilers for Crack Guy for nineteen ninety three. Yes. So he's he's certainly a suspect, right? But uh, oh, that's great. Jesus, Mary Joseph and the wee donkey. He's uh, he's great. He's a little baby, little baby Ted Hastings. It's great. That's fantastic. That's with that so I watched a bit of that as well and I mean that's oh and I watched an episode of Temple as well I watched an episode of Temple the second ever Random. episode of Temple Random. I watched so many other things apart from the shows you were yeah. yeah it's interesting well, isn't really it you really <laughs> went minute. out of your way to yeah. watch this was Temple on the um, entertainment no, no. on the flight no no, no I you... took it with me what yeah. so random like explain yeah. yourself I don't, well, I don't know because I wasn't sure what I'd be I mean, in the like mood Temple. for like, it's like you know you're on a plane you're stuck there it's nine hours it's a long time you're stuck in this plane and you don't know what you'll be in the mood for so okay I brought a lot of episodes of the West Wing so I'm always in the mood for that and I did in fact watch the season one episode Let Bartlett Be Bartlett I watched that one so I did watch a West Wing um, but but I had Temple with me because Temple was one that I'd started I watched the first one because I came to Temple quite late and I hadn't 
continued with and I wanted to so I've watched the second one I'm enjoying it I like that I got quite into that the cracker thing was an odd one I think it got to the point where <laughs> I'd been on the plane for maybe eight eight and a half hours I was going a bit round the bend I was very sleep deprived and I suddenly thought I fancy channeling 1993 so I fired up cracker I'm, I'm, I'm a little unclear why mm. we all are yeah. I mean obviously it's massively dated now in terms of just the way it's shot and the look of it because yeah. it's, that's know, the problem 90s. with all drama British drama particularly yeah. from that period it's, it, it's it looks dated, really yeah. really sort of shonky but the, it, yeah. the, it, the writing is and the performances are impeccable mm. so I, I enjoyed did you, it and did you, Temple did you enjoy I did I did like, yeah, I I mean, like Temple I, I, as well I think season 2 is better than season 1 well I haven't got to season 2 yet yeah. I'm still, I'm still it does star one. Mark Strong, who's I would say head shape bears a remarkable resemblance to your head shape. To well, I, I think he has slightly superior cranial architecture, if I'm honest with you. Well, but, uh, I mean, he's way more handsome, obviously. Oh, well, clearly. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, I think cranially yeah. are quite similar. Oh, as, as a bald man that's myself, nice I have a different mm. shaped cranium. But I think, yeah, yeah you do remind yeah. me cranially. Of, yeah, see what I mean? Yeah. Mark Strong's cranium, yeah. Oh, I'll take that. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. I, I got Big like Arsenal that. fan, Mark. Is he? Oh, good. Well, he's a great man. Like him. Yeah, Bef- he's sweet. Fan of the magazine. Man. Great, great man. Uh, yes, like him a lot. So that's broadly speaking it. And I, I, all I'm saying, I enjoyed everything I watched. There were no bum notes. So that was good. Well, yeah, because uh, you curated the whole fucking thing. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. But that's, I think that's mainly because I watched all the things I wanted to watch and yeah, none of the things I... That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. You've just said it. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to happen. Beth, this is going to happen a lot. Yeah. See, but the, the question there is that me sort of just James explaining, or is it just that I'm slightly addled and not really sure mm. what's going on? Well, it could be either. It's could be both. Yeah, both. Could be both. both. It's hard to yeah. say. Um, did you watch any Cracker this week, Beth? I did not watch no. any Cracker this week. I wish, well, I wish, see, there was a thing that Sophie wanted to film this week's podcast yeah. as she's been harassing us to do uh, because obviously she likes to promote it on social media because she's good like that uh, and I said no because I've not slept in like a week and I look like Mark Strong would do if he died a week ago James um, you look exactly the same as you do every other day well that's, bless you but I wish people could see the, the, the I wish people could see the body language in this room at the moment so we're around the table and Beth is pointedly facing directly away from me just literally for no reason at all she's side on to the desk side on to the microphone her back to me like I'm being shunned like Worf in Star Trek The Next Generation when he accepts discommendation from the Klingon Empire. Right. Is that what's happening? <laughs> yes. No, what I've done here, so because I like to be able to kind of look up words and phrases, because let's be honest, half of the fucking stuff that comes out of your mouth <laughs> just, just falls around by my feet. So I like to just have things ready and I like to be able to tap things. And I'd love that you're calling me out on this when you, you absolute audio Cunt. Call me out so readily on all kinds of fucking things. The one that told me to go and get a towel to put under my shitty microphone when we have to record remotely. Uh, And I made you buy the pop snuffler in the first place. Made me buy the pop snuffler. Which you then then draped over the pop guard instead of putting over the microphone, which was a very special moment. Mercilessly at me when I couldn't work the pop snuffler. So this time I thought, you know what, rather than tapping on the desk, wearing all these, I'm going to sit in a nice position with it on my lap which isn't the most comfortable for right, me I won't right, lie I see. but apparently just can't fucking win can it I? Is a good, I was thinking can't. it's a good new setup because yeah. not only you've got the laptop on your lap yep. which is hence the name you've also brilliantly I think got your iPhone 
on the arm of the chair. This it's pose. Very, yeah, it's, it's called very, having it all. Yeah. We're having it yeah. all. And this way, and, and you don't have to look at me either, so it's just a win-win. It's very millennial. <laughs> very millennial pose. Also, I don't need to look at you to know what faces you're putting well, on. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, for me, I, I've got a good side of both of you. So yeah. I'm, yeah. We're just by both facing Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you know the story, by the way, while we're talking about uh, Mike's Mike's, did you know that Helen O'Hara from the Ember had to come and see me on a Saturday morning? I know, I sent her. Poor Helen had to come a half hour bus journey from where she looks. She's in roughly South London, I think, as I am in South London, Bermondsey, to pick up a mic because they didn't have a spare mic for their fucking podcast. I, I left the microphone in, in the office. Actually. In the floor. <gasps> Extraordinary. So, because we had to record the podcast out in space, yeah. we needed three microphones. And so we had to go and get one from Boyd. So Helen went to the Palace of Boyd, which apparently she said looks a lot like Minas Morgul. Uh, and uh, she sort of rattled on the chain at the front gates and some sort of cave trolls came out and opened the gates she went in she begged an audience with Boyd she was allowed into the, the audience chamber and it's just she said, she said it was a room the size of a football stadium which just screens on every wall <laughs> all playing different shows at least half of them were the yeah. Tinder Swindler I mean none of that is true yeah. yeah fine fine that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. yeah right. That's true. Anyway. I'm slightly delirious. What have you been What's watching, happening? Beth, by the way, was the, was uh, the question, well, I not, not fucking half what James has. I watched, I finished, oh, I finished, um, this is going to hurt. God, you were not wrong. Wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw the, the thing coming because they had to put a warning up. Oh, did they? That's um, interesting. On iPlayer. On, on I, oh, because I, I saw it without that such warning. Yeah. Oh, that... That's interesting. Is it slightly? It's the point of conversation. The of yeah. A trigger yeah. warning that's also a spoiler. Is this what essentially it is? Yeah. It's exactly what it is. It's important to have this stuff, but it did mean that that's I saw it coming. Yeah. But you know, they're trying to do the right thing by it and, and fair play to them. Uh, so yeah, bloody hell. But I did really, really enjoy that that series. And a special shout out to that wonderful person who got in touch on Twitter and shared their Yes, oh surgeon yeah. on the NHS. Yes. 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 That was very interesting. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Do you want to read it out, that? Boyd? I was just going to find the, the at least the name of the surgeon, said surgeon. Yeah, so yeah, um, this lovely guy. Sent I can us see his this quietly with my new threat. millennial pose. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a bit like being on The Voice. Yeah, <laughs> is Beth going to turn around? Turn around and, and hit the. Hit Can I just? Oh, yeah, here, I found it. I found Neither it. of you were impressed. I a knew what the voice was, and b understood <laughs> broadly speaking the mechanics of how it worked. So I think I deserve props for that. Well, when you, we know you queue up and going to see uh, what was it? You know, neighbours with you. <laughs> you here's the thing. Here's the thing. While we're talking about people who came on Twitter, someone pointed out that not only is Ginger Clive back on Neighbours as we speak but Plain Jane Superbrain who I also mentioned is also back on Neighbours now oh my god wow. so you, go. you know yeah. maybe Legacy. Clive will be back in Debenhams in Harrow any day now doing another signing <laughs> the, yeah the, the, the person who says this might even fly at might even fly on, on um, Twitter I don't know their name their real name but it doesn't matter. So yeah, and they they said um, had to th had to think about what I thought about this going to hurt for a while. Bear with me. I'm a surgeon in the NHS of the same vintage as Adam Kay. And then he goes on. They who, who, he or she goes on to explain what they think of the whole show in, in quite in depth, fascinating way about how undervalued, underfunded, deeply undervalued, often abused the NHS is and people mm. etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, it's really it's, it's really interesting. Have a look. Yeah. Yeah. But finish that, and I also like that it really did go to lengths to maintain the heart of the show, so right. it's not just a completely right. awful, dreadful, soulless experience. And Liz Carr pops up right in the, in that in that final episode. You know, the Liz Carr from the OA. Um, oh, all my favourite shows. Yeah. Liz Carr is pretty much all my favourite shows. Yeah. Um, Devs. She was in. She's in The Witcher. 
Yes. Yes. Right. Anyway, she's always brilliant in everything. Yeah. And um, yeah, she pops up as kind of like the as part of the medical inquiry um, panel, if you yeah. like, that's investigating um, Adam. And she's always fantastic and everything. So yeah, she. I was thinking about that as she popped up. She's also, but she's in Save Me Two at the end as well. So like Save Me Two, this is going to hurt devs and the OA. Are literally four of the. I think four of the greatest things on TV, and she's been in all of them. You know, in you know. Well, we've got to get her on the pod, haven't we? We really should get her on the pod, actually. Seriously, yeah, yeah. And wave the next thing she's in. Carry on. Thank you. Yeah, finish that. (laughs) Very good. No, no, you're fine. This. I'll tell you what, guys. A revelation I've had working at Empire is really stressful. And so I have not very much time sometimes. Yeah. And so I don't have much time to watch things. It's, yeah. Hang on, hang on. And if I had said that, like going away to Florida to go on a Star Wars cruise was really stressful well, yeah, and I don't have time difference. to watch things, I'd have got no sympathy at all. I would yeah, put you well, in the I mean, bin if you said Jesus that. Christ. But the point I'm making is, I did whatever free time I had was spent exclusively watching 30 Rock. I'm, I've got a physical box set of did you 30 see, Rock. There's an, funny enough, I read an article this week about the treatment of race in 30 Rock, which I think is yeah. new, because otherwise I don't know why. I think someone tweeted it this week. Probably. I don't know why it's arrived. I think it's an anniversary, maybe, of the start of Thirty Rock. Oh, I think, maybe. Possibly. It was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's not great. No, <laughs> at no, times, no. Uh, there is some stuff that's aged horribly. We were. We, I was talking to um, Empress Ben Travis about it earlier, who watches it quite a lot as well. It's just a nice thing to pick up, and you can dive in at any I stage. Love it. Oh, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. But yeah, there are some that have aged quite horribly. Some. Considering it's only been well, it's only been like ten years yeah. since it started, I think yeah. there is some blackface in it, and but I I think everything has aged horribly because the, because I would say that sort of in terms of social mores, more has happened in the last decade, I would say, than probably the last 20,000 yeah. years of human history. So I would say pretty much everything in one way or another will have aged poorly just because we've moved quite significantly mm. in quite a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, so, but I think in the case of Thirty Rock, it particularly deals with race more than, say, Seinfeld mm. or something. I know Seinfeld was earlier. So in fact, Seinfeld, in a way, has, is less problematic. I mean, it has, has its moments. Mm. But I think of, of, of the great sitcoms of our time, if you like, Thirty Rock has more issues because it actually they because were trying it tackles to address, them head on yeah but yeah. it feels quite because there is blacking up isn't there that's what you know and that's never a good look no <sighs> and tracy morgan the whole character and that whole vibe is quite interesting yeah yeah but, but i still i mean i still love the show well <laughs> i was yeah. reading this this uh this the shield oral history they were saying you couldn't make that now no. like because again it's it's like yeah. a, a small strike team of white cops like basically abusing lots of people of colour yeah. uh, and that's not a great but again as they pointed out it said it was all in the aftermath of in the direct imminent aftermath of 9-11 and so there was that sort of collective American feeling that they were prepared to suspend an awful lot of shall we say you know civil rights and nice things to feel safe mm. and one of the and it's an interesting idea because Vic Mackey's like the way Chickless plays him he's I mean he's a murderer He's a crook. He's a thug. He's all of these things, but he's so sympathetic. And part of it is that Chitlis is very charismatic. And part of it is a point of view thing that we'll always be yeah. sympathetic to whoever's point of view we take. Yeah. But part of it is also because of when it was set, I think people were much more willing to set aside certain aspects of their better judgment for the certain. sake of feeling safe when they're under threat. So, yeah, yeah what's that? Yes, you got 30 Rock. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Back to 30 Rock. Sorry. I went on a shield tangent. You did. Yeah. You really did. But yeah, just been watching that one of my favorite things about that show is um how is watching them get really big names on to just say yeah. some of the stupidest silliest funniest things ever like i've said i maintain of all 
John Hamm's Hamios, this is the best Hamio where he's treated because he's so fucking handsome. And this is why he was on Mad Men as well, because he's yeah, so peak, peak handsome and, and strong, George, and every people don't tell him when he's doing things wrong. So he's really fucking stupid. <laughs> so things like he's making like a salmon bake for her with Gatorade in it because he's been told apparently it's delicious and he can't pronounce words properly. He's not, he's a terrible doctor, but no one tells him otherwise because he's so handsome. And uh, it's he's just really goofy and funny. So yeah. That's... I love Matt Damon's character in it. Carol. Um, I love that character. Yeah. It's like, uh, those episodes, I love those episodes. Do you think the Alec Baldwin factor, does that, the Alec Baldwin interesting going through an interesting time, isn't he? But I mean, I love him <laughs> in Thirty Rock. He, but yeah, I know, he's, he's I do himself this time. I love him in Thirty Rock. So I think it's his greatest role. I really do. And I, um, yeah. I mean, including that film he he was in where he, he said, "I am God" or whatever that line when he's when he's playing God. But anyway, Thirty Rock, yeah, Thirty Rock, love it. So it's just yes. a, a lot of that chucked in after hours when I just can't think anymore, and I'm just like, I just want to let. Tina face comedy just wash over yeah. me but yeah it, I'm not excusing some of it at all just it's just a nice nice way to spend 20 minutes sometimes so that's me did did we ever discuss the end of Chloe the the I know did you finish did you finish Chloe? I did it in the end I will because I've heard I saw Terry yeah. loved it I I finished it this week yeah. right and um I think it was fantastic I have uh, to say I mean I, we, I think we all liked it when we reviewed it really liked it yeah it was fine oh yeah oh yeah no of course yeah. James is like it's fine yeah um but it's real I think it's fantastic I really really liked it um, I still I still hold the dinner parties do not go that way oh, and yeah, the people don't make your, friends that easily that was your issue with yeah. it you, I, I, for me it's strained credulity that yes. people would accept oh, her into God. their friendship circle I was like I no mean, not having any of this no I mean yeah there was more reflection on your own social uh, <laughs> skills maybe but I think the brilliant thing about Alice Seabright the writer and she also directed quite a lot of it made made that believable and she actually made the whole thing which is quite at various points does stretch credulity to use your phrase <laughs> um, but you do believe in it and I love the way it kind of started out as one thing where you thought it was kind of like this this very flawed woman trying to a bit like that the, the story that true story of the con artist from that the, you know the Netflix show that we that, that that you didn't like quite rightly that I watched some inventing Anna you know there's an inventing, inventing Anna type Anna, element yeah. of her making her way through higher society than she's in and faking you know she's fake, faking her persona really yeah. but she does and she wheedles her way in it has got an inventing Anna element to it albeit ten times better than that frankly massively flawed show and. It starts out that way, and then it turns into really a kind of psychological thriller, and this is going to sound really wanky, but it is, like a meditation on friendship, and particularly female friendship, mm. and all the stuff about the, the the two of them, her and her friend. How it all plays out is, because uh, it's constantly tense, because you're like, is she going to be discovered? Because she's yeah. completely fallen in with Billy Howe's character. So, and you're constantly on this, like, will she be discovered? Will, and at the same time, she's finding out more and more about the mystery of how this woman died it just it was brilliantly brilliantly done and I think Erin Doherty is is one of the performances of the year because she has to do so many things she has to be the the daughter of the mother with um, dementia she has to be this kind of you know kind of kind of working class woman who's trying to you know live out her life vicariously and she actually ends up being that woman yeah. as yeah. well it's it's absolutely phenomenal so Chloe was I'm so glad I finished it because it gets better and better oh, okay. and it has a fantastic um, final episode and um, Euphoria my weekly Euphoria yes. here we go yes. it's, uh, have you watched this one? yeah That's, I have I mean I thought it was a mini masterpiece I was talking to our, our safe butcher about this and we do maintain that we will watch it it is the show that we watch every single week and make the time <laughs> to watch every single week even though we can't really tell at this stage how much of it 
is this hate watching and how much of it is it are we actually delighting in the spectacle and quality of this show i am baffled by where this season has gone i would not have called this for an instant after finishing the first season I feel like the third season, they're going to have to bring in some more creative voices. It can't just be Sam Levinson's show. Yeah, he writes and directs every single episode. Every single one at the end of every single episode, created by, directed by, written by Sam Levinson. Oh, actually, sorry, just to correct myself, series one of a few other people directed episodes, including a few women, actually. But he writes them all. Season two, I think he has, I'm just checking now, he has written and directed the whole fucking thing. Yeah. 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 So I think they, he's on borrowed time, I think, at this (laughs) stage. Yeah. Honestly, especially when some of the characters who were marginalized voices as it is have quite literally been marginalized this season in the name of Maud fucking Apatow. And I was messaging Sophie about this and I was like, either she's got a really fucking good agent or Judd Apatow is far more powerful than I thought as a as a voice in this industry because she gets everything at the moment, I think. And she's just had this, this second episode. She's had like a whole storyline running through this and then she has this whole episode that she basically gets to control yeah she's a pretty dull character considering her whole thing this season is she literally describes herself as a spectator but gets this entire season where she gets more screen time than most of these other characters combined it's really frustrating um they are just yeah and yet (laughs) and yet it was an incredible episode i think because even though she is the watcher she created this play that is that um is is a fictional account of her milieu and her world and her herself and comments on the fact that she is not as you know um her sister and her are completely different it couldn't be more opposed to her sister is this dynamic you know in heavy quotes sexy sexualized figure yeah and and the play, you know, she stages this play, James, that is 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 like a kind, is a complete, very self-aware, you know, meta comment on everything that we've already seen in the show, including a spectacular camp dance sequence, song and dance yeah. sequence, playing on Nate, who's sitting there in the audience yeah. watching it, um, and his like homophobia, literal homophobia. He's scared of homosexuality, all to do with his dad. You know the whole thing about his dad being. Oh yes, gay. I remember that from yeah. the one episode of Euphoria. Right. I've seen. Yes. <laughs> oh no, I've seen two. Right. Sorry. So there's this whole extraordinary um, song and dance number that these guys do set in the in the changing room of the school, and they and, and it's very camp, and they were literally like you know kind of having sex with each other, and 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 he and that whole. The bit was extraordinary. That was great. Um, and it had loads of great, great moments. And just the ambition of it. And I know I'm completely in two minds about it as well. But I think that's what makes it special, which is that even though Sam Levinson is completely, as you say now, it, it's him doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. And as indulgent as that means it is. And it is, in, by turns, incredibly indulgent and yet incredibly ambitious and bold and kind of poetic and pretentious you know there's like extensive quotes from literature and poetry and but then you're like but then the kids are like that these are you know young LA pretentious you know 17 year olds whatever so I think there's what what I'm saying is I think it is absolutely extraordinary TV and I know it has these flaws 
And I myself, I'm watching it partly going, oh my God, I can't believe they're actually going to do this. And then they do it. And you, and it's riveting and you really want to know what's going to happen to all these characters. And it is completely like un, unlike anything else out there. Yeah. So I kind of have to go with it in the end. Yeah, and I will for all like, I'm, I'm some sort of masochist because when it, I'm, oh, I could almost hear you in this. When the <laughs> opening scene comes in, it says overture. Oh, overture. Groan, yes, there's I an overture. There's out. a I was, fucking overture. I was on the exercise bike watching it and I was like, it was a Liz Lemon eye roll. I was yeah, just like, yeah. Do you think the way they merge, the other thing, James, sorry, is, I'll stop talking about it in a minute, but they merge the the staging of this play, of Maud Apatow's character's play, with the reality of what the play is about. So you don't know. So it literally, so one, so some of the people are being played playing themselves, some of the people are lookalikes of themselves. It's really weird and dense and pretentious and all of that yeah. and the opening overture which of course isn't justified because it's her character thing that she's doing anyway is it, is it justified boys <laughs> yeah I think it's so endlessly fascinating so yeah okay. I, I'm very interested to see the finale because of course we were given these seven and I, uh, but we haven't no one's seen the finale yet. I mean no one apart from Sam Levinson so I don't know what the fuck he's going to do and everyone thinks he might be killing off a major character I think I think he's killing off um, thingy your drug dealer Oh, the drug dealer. Well, the drug dealer is in mortal danger, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the one in mortal danger <laughs> yeah. might be the one that dies. Yeah. But some people think he's going to kill off Rue. He's going to die. I think, I think, I was literally just saying this to Sophie, I think she would do well to just move <laughs> on at this stage. I mean, she's got a lot on, hasn't she's she? She's got so much on. Yeah. I think he's a pretty, after what happened with Malcolm, God, we are really going on about this, but after what happened with Malcolm and Marie, I think she's probably better off. Just, just try something else. Just yeah. go and go I'm and not a fan of Malcolm Murray, I'm with you there. Well, that's it, James. That's what I've been watching. And sorry that a lot of that was about something that you have not watched. And you are literally almost falling asleep. You are because, so sleepy. Yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm struggling and also don't know what you're talking about. So, you know. You need to watch Euphoria, mate. Mm. Do I, though? I mean, there's just too much There's too much Vikings Valhalla for me to get yeah, to that. Too right. much cracker in the world. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. 12. It's, there's too much TV from 1993 that I feel the <laughs> urgent need to get back to 30 years later. 27 <laughs> episodes of Vikings Valhalla. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, I feel like <laughs> we've now concluded the rambling divergent <laughs> section. Um, do, do we need a listener question? Are we covered off a variety well, of topics so far? we haven't got one, no. Yeah, I mean, that's is. also true. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, we did our, our favourite Netflix mm. originals last week. I have prepared nothing for... All right, tell you what, you can have one from each streaming service, right? Okay, here's it. Here's my hypothetical situation. Here's my hypothetical situation. It's a variant on last week's. Yeah. You are aboard the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser and you are allowed one show from each streaming service. Which one. shows do you pick? One, one show oh, okay. from each okay. streaming service. I actually don't mind that. That is all you can have. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's start. Well, Netflix is a given. We've kind of done that, yeah. haven't we? So let's skip yeah. forward. Amazon. Or Prime Video, as it's known. Prime Video, sorry. Yeah. I think I'm torn between Reacher, uh -huh. which is which I absolutely loved, obviously, and the show that I was just talking about with Beth, I've forgotten the name of... Homecoming. Hey. Homecoming, which was the Julia Roberts Series 1, Janelle Monáe Series 2 thing. Janelle Monáe? Yeah, what? Is you... it not Monáe? John Monáe? Beth, Monet? you're a millennial. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> How do you pronounce her name? <sighs> ben says Janelle Monáe, and he's oh, like well, 15, ben, so it must be true. Ben's probably right, yeah. Um, it, was the, um, it was the really weird thing about a... A special kind of unit dealing with people coming back from war and kind of like, and some kind of weird overarching conspiracy 
thing. Do you remember it, James? I remember um, we reviewed the first episode of season two and I found it a yeah, bit boring. Sam Esmail um, directed yes, that. The whole, of, the, the of whole thing Mr. Robot was unbelievably thing. beautifully directed, like a Brian De Palma slash Hitchcock film. Mm, yeah, yes. it was. That's partly why I love it. Visually, it was incredible. Julie, I love Julie Roberts in it and Janelle Monet Monai in series two is even better. And I, I found it very satisfying. And it was half-hour episodes, which worked really well, I think, because they were like... It's basically a conspiracy thriller, really. Mm. Um, and there's a, But the storytelling, I thought, was really interesting and ambitious. Yeah, So I think I might go with that, even over Reacher. Homecoming for Prime Beth, Video. what is your prime choice? Maisel. Maisel. Mm. Maisel. Maisel. Oh, wouldn't watch any of those. Uh, the Expanse. Anyway, so... Well, over uh, Reacher. Uh-huh. Of course, over Reacher. What are you talking about? They're not even in the same fucking league. Jesus. It's The Expanse, man. Wow. Sorry. Christ, and, if it, and, and, and if The Expanse <laughs> yeah. was suddenly removed from Prime Video, it'd be Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Okay, okay. Apple. Beth? Uh, I would go with The After Party. Really, really enjoying mm. the after party at the moment. And if you are watching it weekly, I implore you to watch, uh, to follow Chris Miller on Twitter. He gives very sweet uh, insight into all the making of the episodes. Because, you know, like we said, every episode is a different genre mm. or medium. And, and each one he goes into kind of what their intentions were in little like tidbits. The most recent one had lovely, my lovely Jamie Dimitrio in it. And it was things like, they didn't tell him what the choreography was for the dance numbers. Hmm. So we had to try and work out what it was. So he's in the background as part of his character, but also in real life, trying to awkwardly kind of <laughs> catch up with everybody. And it's really just really fun little stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm really impressed with that show. Uh, very here for it. Boydie. I think I'm going to go for um, Servant. Really, over the morning shows, just because season two has yeah. really poisoned oh, you. Yeah, so I love it. Was so I mean, I loved it. By the way, I loved watching every minute of it. But in a in a, but season two turned into hate watching. It kind of curdled into hate watching halfway through. Yeah. Um, where season one, I unashed, absolutely the last episode was a shocker. It was terrible. Yeah, dealing, the, the worst um, <laughs> drama dealing with COVID ever, mm-hmm. and a salutary lesson to not deal with COVID. Just fucking ignore yeah. it, basically. Yeah. Um, but servant. Uh, I've loved right from the beginning and in fact right now where we're in a moment I think where because these to forget sometimes with Apple shows that they're still on because I got sent I think five or six episodes yeah. of this series to watch and I've actually watched them all in one go but I think we're about to reach the point where I haven't seen episodes and they're on we- a weekly basis on Apple every Friday um, but I love that show Lauren Ambrose Toby, Toby Kebbell Neil Tugger and Rupert Grin are a fantastic foursome of characters and I think the way it started, and even though it started out with M. Night Shyamalan kind of directing all the big episodes, and he's now kind of embroiled his own daughter in them, which is, you know, you yeah. think, mm, okay, Maud Apatow. Maud Apatow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, this I think this series is really good, okay. and, and, and it is really kind of beautifully written and directed and acted, I think. So, yeah, Servant, I think I'd go for. I think they need to start thinking of some different names for shows, though, because what have we got now? Servant, Suspicion... <laughs> Severance. Oh, yes. Succession. Yes. And the correct answer, C. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. And if C wasn't available, Foundation. Okay. Of course, C is your, yeah. Of course, course C is my choice. C is godlike. Yeah. Uh, 100% C. Um, Right. What did you you pick? After party. Oh, yeah, after party. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Um, I... I'm just going to put it out there and say Hawkeye. I was about to say, if you say the book of Boba Fett, I'd have fucking thrown you out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just because it had the element of surprise to me. And you know, I love to be surprised and challenged by stuff in the best way. And that's exactly what Hawkeye did. Mm. Um, WandaVision was like really, that was a really great, I think, 
honestly, I like the shows more than I do the films. And I think WandaVision was <laughs> very, <laughs> very um, groundbreaking in that respect. But Hawkeye just came in and was so lovely and well-made. Performances were fantastic. Really, really good fun. Really enjoyed it. So that is, to date, my favourite Disney That's class. an interesting choice. I mean, indefensible, but an interesting choice. God's sake. <sighs> Uh, I mean, I'm, I I love The Mandalorian, don't get me wrong. Dum, dum. Yeah. Mm. But I think it's Dope Sick. I think Dope Sick was a, was a, was, was a okay. really, really... And I, that was a show that started out as slightly annoyingly out of, out of, you know, telling things out of time in the different timelines. Yeah. But actually, once I got into it, I loved, I loved the storytelling. And it's just a really important thing that it was yeah. telling the story of. And I can't imagine it being told in a better more kind of provocative, honest, brutally, in fact, brutally honest way. So I loved, yeah. I really liked Dope Sick. It's very yeah. dour, that series so two, was. But do you know what? Dope Sick then, eh? <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where, because it's so well done, it's not as dour as you think it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it is inherently it, it, dour. It's pretty dour. <laughs> I know, but actually even then there's room for, like, what's his name's performance as the main guy <laughs> of a company? You know, the guy from... Michael Stuhlberg. Thank you. Michael yeah. Stuhlberg is incredible in it. Quite camp and over the top mm. in that role. So actually there's room for kind of enjoyment of that kind of thing. You just enjoys performance as being a completely ridiculous... You realise you slipped in through a loophole, of course, because that's not a Disney Plus original, is it? Is so, I think it is. Isn't is it? it? I think it's. Oh, is it a Hulu? I think it's a Hulu. Oh, I mean, technically, I mean, technically owned by the same body, so I reckon you can same, kind of have it. We never. It's, but, it's the same. Yeah, but it's, it's on Star, it. obviously, rather than Disney Plus. But that's but acceptable. You know, that's acceptable. But you know, they've totally um, kind of forgotten about Star as a marketing thing now. They don't really emphasize it mm. at all. In fact, one I remember, I was given one one email, one Disney Plus publicist. I was back because I was putting Star on Disney Plus. Yeah. In Heat's previews of all their shows, and they were like, "Just don't bother. It's fine. It's yeah, just yeah, Disney yeah. Plus. They don't care anymore." Okay, I think it was the initial. They were. Just mm, initially it was saying, like, initial, yeah. yeah, this is our. If you want to see, f- you, yeah. you weren't expecting to see talking penises and full frontal right. nudity on yeah. Disney Plus, and it is on Star. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Uh, well, God, that's actually really difficult. Like, what would I pick? It's like, it's going to be either Mando or Loki or WandaVision, I think. You surprise me. Uh, I think WandaVision doesn't have the repeat viewing appeal no. because no. once you know what it is, like a lot of that is gone. I think Loki is genius. So to be honest, I think it might be Mando for me. That might be my my Disney Plus choice. Yeah, uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I would go with that. Um, give me another streaming service. That's it, isn't it? Surely. What would you watch on Pluto TV? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess now, t- now, Sky's oh, now. Oh, now, is, now. Yes, what's on yeah. now, I mean, of that course. That is a nightmare because How can we forget now? Every great HBO Oh, no, but it has show. to be an original. has to be an original. Right. Oh, in that case, it's saved me, isn't it? Yes, it is. Save me, isn't it? it? It's Save Me, isn't it? That's their best original show. I'm completely drawing a blank on all the originals. (laughs) Games of London, I really liked as well. That would be my top. It's no Save Me. Five, it's not Save Me. Save Me is a master. Because the HBO stuff, obviously. But let's say if we were in America and we had HBO, if HBO were a choice, what would your HBO (laughs) show be? Be the, it would be the show Hacks. <laughs> it would be the show yeah. Hacks, yeah. just so we can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God, so yeah. many. I mean, Obviously The Night Of, Best Ever, oh, night Best Ever Limited Series. Oh, Curve, would I choose Night Of? No, I think I'd choose Game of Thrones over Night Of just because it's Game of Thrones, but Night Of is, is one of the best TV shows I've ever made. Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, oh no, we can do that in news, carry on. The Wire also would be another one. The Wire, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, the little show called The Sopranos. Uh, a little show called <laughs> The Sopranos, very true. The Shield, of course, is FX, if we were going to go into oh, that territory. Yeah. Do you know what? I never, I would not um, remember that. If yeah. you asked me that in a quiz, I think it was the first. First FX show, if memory serves, because that, yeah, that was it. Wasn't Nip Tuck was one of the early FX shows, I think. Oh. Yeah, and yeah. Damages came afterwards. But like the Shield, like because no one knew what FX was when the Shield came along, which is one of the reasons why it was so surprising. Yep. 
Yep. All right, well, that's a question that nobody asked, but we answered it anyway because that is how we roll. If you have a question for us, do feel free to send it to us on some kind of social channel thing uh, at Pilot TV Pod, where Sophie will pick it up. Shall we move on to the news? And by that, of course, I mean the TV news, not the actual news where the world is ending. Um, yes. Do you remember I said, I think the last week or the week before, when I began news with my very exciting announcement that the Larry David story was arriving, a two-part documentary on HBO, and I said, please, God, mate, Sky needs to show it yeah. pretty quickly. They, I tweeted about it, and they tweeted me saying, is the next day we're showing it, is that quick enough? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The yeah. power of Void Hill. In a, in a, well, I was in their, in their slightly passag, but you know, <laughs> fine way. So it is going to be on Sky Documentaries. Um, not Sky Atlanta. I mean, it doesn't really matter. If you've got Sky, you've got Sky and you find it. From um, March the 2nd. And I think they're showing the whole thing that night. So there's two parts. It's like a So March the 2nd is Larry David night, if you're a Larry David fan, everyone. And who isn't a Larry David fan? I'm not. Okay. I mean, you are Larry David. <laughs> is that why? Yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I, I could try and tell you that I knew anything that's been happening in news, right. but I don't have the first clue. Don't have the first clue. No idea. Yeah, Absolutely none. You know. Beth, what's going on in news? Uh, what have we got? There was a trainer for Chibito Ejiofor in a mission. Oh no. Oh my God. I've lost it now. Let's do this again. <laughs> There's a new trailer for Chibito Ejiofor in The Man Who Fell to Earth, which I've not uh, watched. Is that? I haven't seen that. No. It, no, you haven't seen it. Haven't no, it. we've okay. not seen that. I guess the does, big... it, does it say when it's on then? When it's going to be on? Because that's, I think we're all waiting this to know. This is why I have it on my lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Live, live news research. Showtime across the pond, 24th of April. Nothing here yet. That's interesting. Mm. That is interesting. So I'm fascinated by this, by that whole thing. Because the film is one of my favourite films. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, interesting to see what they do with that. But I guess the big news is that um, all the Netflix Marvel shows, shockingly, after being removed from Netflix, are now showing up on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So that's all of them there. So I'm sure there's plenty That's interesting, because I'd always thought that Netflix had, like, co-finance those and would have them in perpetuity but there must have been some kind of yeah there was a there was a deal where they ran out now yeah. and not in I mean no one was watching them anymore at this point really were they so you know I don't imagine people are going to flock to uh... also like and not putting too fine a point on it but do you reckon anyone has Disney Plus who doesn't have Netflix <laughs> yeah that's a good point yeah I mean yes they do. do you yeah because sure. 100% positive absolutely people aren't people aren't necessarily as privileged as you and I <laughs> well, and I'm me. just saying if you were to have a streaming it's service to have all these, it, I feel like Netflix a lot of people is, only have Netflix lot, yeah but that's what I'm saying but oh, no, does but, anyone just have Disney yeah, Plus yeah because Disney Plus had a massive burst of new subscribers when The Mandalorian came out and every time they have a new Marvel show I believe they get a pretty big spike yeah. mm. so you know a lot but of those I, are people I'm, I, I, would, I would imagine that the Venn diagram of people who have Disney Plus but also have Netflix is basically a circle. Mm, I don't think it's as much of a circle as you think. All right. Yeah. If you have Disney I mean, Plus but not we, Netflix, we, we, please yeah. write in I mean, and let us have, know. Neither of us know the facts at all. We're just no, making, we're just this, making up. this show up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, okay. So they're all available. They're all far too long, but some of them are good. Yeah. Basically. That's the news. More news that I don't understand. Walton Goggins has been added to the yes. Fallout TV adaptation and a lot of people I know are for making those noises. <sighs> yes. First of all, Walton Goggins is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Famous, of course, for The Shield and Justified and Sons of Anarchy, amongst so other things. Yeah. He's brilliant. But Fallout, of course, is kind of a retro future science fiction role-playing game, which I have played. <laughs> 
course you have. It's uh, it's it's good, and I'm I'm yeah. interested to see the series. I think it'd be fun. Have I think you... Lisa Joy at least was working on that. I assume she is still working on that. So, have you heard about the um, your favourite Stephen Knight, your friend Stephen Knight, my close personal friend Stephen yeah, Knight? Yeah, he's done. A, he's doing Great Expectations now. Yeah, I'm over this to be honest. Even with the cast, is everyone in Great Expectations blind? No, it's so not it's C. not like a C, no, a C Dickens crossover because no. I'd be there for that. Well, I, I'm intrigued that that, that Beth has re- rejected it already. Why? Well, it's an amazing cast, and I like yeah, it's the amazing cast. Here. Olivia Coleman, um, Matt uh, Berry, Matt Berry, Johnny Harris of This Is England fame, yep, um, and others. <laughs> Olivia Coleman is Miss Havisham, the famous. Oh, Fionn Whitehead out of uh, Dunkirk, yeah, and other things. And it's going to be beautiful. And it's obviously going to be on at Christmas, even though they're not specifically saying it, because his last thing was a Christmas Carol, mm. which he did for BBC, which I think we did a pretty good job of. We did. Yeah. Why do we need to have a great expectation? Oh, I know. Oh, I see what you like, mean. Yeah. Same with Christmas Carol. Yeah, can we I not mean... just? Can we not? Just how? Look at the fucking. Can we not have a C Christmas special? Is what you're saying? It's not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. Like, look at the talent that they've got there. Yeah. Look at the talent and what they've been able to do individually with original stuff. Why can't we just have a fucking original? It could be from the same era. It can mm. still be a period drama. Yeah. Why does it have to be fucking? Expe- I've seen great expectations more than I've seen my own face in the mirror. <laughs> same with Christmas Carol. <laughs> and I love, you know, I love Stephen Graham. And like all the talent there. But oh, come on, just something new. Just give me something new. So yeah, I was I was just wow. I'm so glad I brought it up. It was a great rant. That's what absolutely. No, no, just like really no, I know what you mean. Fantastic yeah. ensemble of character, like of characters and and talent there, and they're just chucking it. At it's interesting because I guess it's like it's like in the theatre in the theatre, darling. There's literally a whole industry of just doing redoing Shakespeare plays, yeah. right? And the whole you know the globe. They just that's all it does. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's just and. I guess my point is, you, people don't really complain about constant new versions of all of those plays. So I don't see why. I think if you're a TV TV industry person, why not? You know, if there's an, as long as there's enough space for new stuff, see, then why not revive? What I'm good? hearing there, Beth, is you're a philistine. That's no, no, what no, I'm no, hearing. That's your, 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 no, don't try and be provocative. Don't try stirring it up. Where's the theatre today? I'm you offering make, an alternate argument. You do, yes, and I'm very, I'm very here for a healthy debate. I think it's boring when people all agree otherwise I won't do this fucking podcast yeah. but um, I just feel like we've, we've theatre there's so much more conscious effort that you seek out what you want to watch and you go and see this if this is going one of the BBC slots on Christmas Day when let's be it's so limited it's going to be that or the, the fucking Irish grandwoman well, um, Mrs Brown's, Mrs. Boys. Brown's boys there we go yeah. Yeah. like if that's um, what's going to go first in of one all, of those I tell you it'll be, it won't be on Christmas Day it'll be on Boxing Day it'll be on what they do now Bruce's schedules are unbelievably predictable I have to say I can, yeah. I can go on about this for hours I won't because James will fall asleep <laughs> but what they do, they have a three party it'll be a three party it'll be on Boxing Day in those three nights yeah. Christmas Day is always you know the nurses in that the midwives the mid, call the yeah, midwives yeah. the nurses <laughs> the nurses my brain, the nurses, the nurses my brain the has gone to mush as well <laughs> Um, you know that yeah um, Yeah. They, there's only like literally room for like four things they show a year yeah. In, yeah, every single bloody year on BBC on a Christmas day um, and but, this would go in the Dracula slot yeah this would go exactly it's in the Dracula slot and this year what was it this, this year was something else in that slot probably Christmas Carol. I think it was if Sarah, if Sarah Phelps is um, a very English scandal so mm. it's that slot it's that thing right. um, I, I'm almost certain that's the slot it will get this... but I take it I think you've made, you made a very good point about do you know what? If you know, if I was a BBC drama commissioner, I'd be like, you think about it very carefully, wouldn't you, to spend money on that? I mean, cast alone must be quite expensive. It's probably a co-pro with Amazon or Netflix or someone. But still, yeah, I get your point. I take your point. 
Yeah. Mm. I'll still watch it though. Yeah, I'll probably have to for this bloody thing, <laughs> won't I? So, but yeah, I just, I just think I don't like it when you have all these. I felt a little bit like it with Little Women, to be honest, and I did love that film. <gasps> but when you saw Greta Gerwig and that insane cast off the back of Lady Bird, and you just see, a, oh, we'll just see Little Women again. You've got all these people there. Mm. Well, I'll have you know, I had never seen or read Little Women, and so it introduced me to that text. So I am a Philistine, but that's (laughs) not in or there. Um, So Olivia Munn has joined Tales of the Walking Dead. Yes. That's all I've got to say about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon has wrapped. (laughs) Wrapped. Wrapped. Uh, wasn't it um, him, uh, the George writer? R. Yes. Martin, yeah. yeah, who said that? Yeah, he announced it. George R. Martin, he did. He did announce that it wrapped, which means my set visit clearly isn't going ahead. So <laughs> <laughs> that's important. That's important to know. That's I am brilliant. the victim here. Uh, yes. I think you're fine. Yes. It's I may or may James. not have been going yeah. last year, and then there was a bit of a COVID spike, and it didn't happen. It got pushed back, and now it turns out pushback means cancelled. So I'm clearly not going on set of yeah. House of the Dragon. Funnily enough, they've used that excuse and you believed it, but yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, Even though they didn't, didn't invite you on set in the in the uh, COVID, COVID fine period. Yeah. That's what I'm calling it. Yeah. Have you heard about this thing that Tom Holland's in, The Crowded Room, which is an Apple TV no. Plus drama? Tom Holland, um, Amanda Seyfried, who we'll get to later on the show, um, and Emmy Rossum, are all in this Apple TV Plus drama called The Crowded Room, described as a seasonal anthology exploring inspirational stories of those who have struggled with mental illness. But it sounds very, yeah, I mean, just Tom Holland, who is now, what, one of the biggest stars in the world, basically. Yes, yes, yeah. he's done quite well. Yeah. And you know what I was going to say was, he should be hosting the Oscars, right? I'm, I'm fully... I thought you were about to say hosting this podcast. You're probably well, right, quite frankly. And that. Um, he was, of course, on the Live Empire podcast. He was we on the there. Live Empire yeah, podcast. Very yes, good. he was there. My ears are still ringing yeah. from when he came out on that stage. I Jesus bet. Christ. God, yeah, that was loud, wasn't it? That was so loud. I bet. Um, but I'm fascinated by the whole... Um, oh, well, this is a news story, I think. Is it, is it a film or TV news story? The coverage, the Oscars show is a TV show, so it's mm. actually a TV news story. <laughs> I don't know. What, did you cover it in the Empire podcast? The This thing where they're, pre, they're awarding eight in quotes, technical awards mm-hmm. yeah. separately before the actual main um, show begins. They're handing out things like sound, the all, cinematography, I think, music score, out, out, outrageous editing, these really important, and, and all the shorts, documentary, live action, and animated short. They're going to do those first while the stars are still arriving on the fucking red carpet. How disgraceful is that? It's really bad. And, and, and then they're going to edit them into the live show. Um, yes, it's a fucking scandal. That's weird. It's so weird. So, yeah. so from an audience point of view, it's just going to appear like one thing, but it just means that the celebrities don't have to sit through it. Kind of. Well, it, it, no, it'll be obvious to the audience watching that it's not a loads not alive because I think the presenters are going to then you know go oh this and we we this happened earlier. That's let's have a look weird. at their winning speech or an edited version of them. It's insane. And what is so mad about it is that it's all about the ratings. Last year, the Oscars got the worst ratings, the lowest ratings ever. But that's completely. Uh, inevitable. Yeah. First of all, it was the year of COVID, and the whole thing and it was in, like, in the weird April yeah. or something, right. wasn't it? Yeah. It was in April in in the station in the in the train station in yeah. LA, and another empty venue somewhere else, and partly in London, in fact, at the BFI. And it was really soulless and weird, and the films were very by Oscar standards, arty, even artier than they are this time around. Um, at least this, you've got June now. June nominated for fucking loads and loads of awards. Yeah. All of those awards, it could get like seven, eight Oscars 
in the build-up. Do you remember how Max did? Got seven, yeah. and everyone started to think, oh, maybe it could actually even win Best mm. Picture. That drama is totally removed now because all of those technical awards that June will probably win are going to be on done first. It's, as an Oscars obsessive watcher, yeah. the whole thing is infuriating. But the idea that that's going to save the ratings, you know, is insane. Absolutely insane. Which goes back to my point. It, I, I like the three female comedians that are hosting, Wanda Sykes, etc. They're great choices, but they're not huge stars. And they could have got Tom Holland to host it, for example. I think, you know, uh, and it, you just and that would have been a massive, massive draw. And back in the day, when it was the biggest show on American TV that year, always apart from the Super Bowl, they would get huge big stars hosting it. Steve Martins and you know, Billy Crystals, though, you know. And you can't, on the one hand, hire really good, talented comedians who, who you know, are much admired and respected, but aren't really movie stars at all, and then expect loads, everyone to watch it. It's just not going to happen. So that's my Oscars rant. Yeah, I think it's also worth noting that this was a really important year for films like Flea, the um, the, yeah, the animated documentary yeah. about the refugee, which is um, the first to be nominated in three different categories at the same time. Yeah. They're not going to get to experience that in the same way that they should do because some of those awards are going ahead ahead of time, like you say. So yeah, it is snatching yeah. the spotlight for what could be some really historical wins. This is a real fucking shame. Yeah. 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 There we go. That's my Oscars fuck up. Sorry. Uh, fuck up. Uh, Oscars fuck up rant. I think we've all gone a little bit, haven't yeah. we? I think Jeffrey was... Literally, I'm, I'm, I'm barely able to keep my eyes open and I promise you, but it has nothing to do with the Oscars rant. Uh, the caffeine of my Diet Coke has worn off, sadly. Um, you need to get I, another one. I think, no, I think, I, think, I think we can... Do you need, need better to slap you around the face? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> think Beth needs any worse. encouragement yeah. to do that. So. Yeah. Um, should, should we abandon news at this point? Is there anything else you wish to share? Yeah, or can I mean, we just I was move going on? to talk about how MasterChef's been recommissioned until... Anyway, that's the end of news. <laughs> so... Uh, I'd forgotten all about Joe Dempsey, but so let's have him oh, now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what an intro. Joe Dempsey, the legendary Joe Dempsey, Gendry from Game of Thrones. He was rich from adult material. He was in Skins as well, which I've never seen, so I don't know who he played, but I'm sure he was very good in that. Uh, and he's here to talk about a show, which is called Pieces of Her, which is on the Netflix, and it's about drama and I don't know what it's about Jeez. boy what's it about <laughs> look in my defense it, I'm very tired yeah. and I've not watched anything it's so about um it's it's oh, David Williams is phoning me it's um <laughs> oh, it's, hang on you realize I'm now not cutting that out right like, that's staying in the podcast answer the phone answer the phone answer oh, the phone God, put him on it. put no, him he, on we want a whole chat it was gonna be a girl for we hours. can chat with us we haven't got time we chat that. with David put <laughs> David on no, if you're gonna I'm have celebrity friends call you during the podcast the very least you can do is take the call oh and talk to them no, unbelievable brilliant um, uh, David, if you are now listening to this and you would like to share <laughs> yeah. what you wanted to talk to Boyd about, then do feel free to uh, tell us on Twitter. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pieces of her. Tony Collette, who's brilliant yes. in it, is um, a mother and as the, uh, a mother and daughter, they all starts off with this incredible opening sequence, actually. Slight spoiler alert. I was about to say, are you about to spoil the yeah. show that uh, no one has seen? The opening sequence. It's so. All right, fine. That's not all I'll say. Okay, so I won't, won't right, spoil it. Fine. Tony Collette, and I, I think I allude to this in the interview, uh, and her daughter ha having lunch together in a cafe and in comes a shooter basically and then it all kicks off from there wow. and that transforms the whole all the lives of all of this family um and the daughter finds out more about the mother and there's a big mystery uh, it's it's really it's really interesting actually i have to say it's uh, it's fascinating and joe's character is like a kind of quasi religious cult figure or also polit kind of left wing almost cult member who arrives 
halfway through the series. So don't worry, people. If you, I mean, I think again, I explained the interview. If he's not in the first three episodes, he will arrive, and he's very good from then on. That's the show. That's and you spoke show. to him about the show, about the show, and and other stuff. things. Yes, we mentioned skins and um, uh, Game of Thrones, etc. Okay, great. Well, this is Boyd versus Joe Dempsey. So, Joe Dempsey, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Looking, Thank res- you. looking resplendent in your PSG uh, jumper, which. Uh, so you you just t- told me off before we before we start recording that yeah. you, you do collect um, vintage football stuff. Well, so so it started out as, as vintage football shirts, and then like with most collections of anything, it spiraled into like benchwear. And so you know, I'm now looking at like you know AS Roma training bibs for substitutes and things like that. It's, it's got a little bit out of hand, but um, but this is this is incredibly comfortable. Paris Saint-Germain jumper, I have yeah, to say. It looks fantastic. For listeners, it's it's kind of bright blue with a lovely old PSG logo. Um, Fleece looks- lines. Fleece lines. Line. Got these, got these little sort of new modern little things. Oh, for yeah. You know, put, your thumb, thumb put, your thumb, put your thumb through the screen. Yeah, yeah. it's top-level sportswear, I have to say. <laughs> and you are, um, we'll, we'll get on to the matter of hand, but you, uh, you're a Nottingham Forest fan, right? Um, yeah, I'm sorry about the FA I mean, Cup, boys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Nottingham Forest will be Arsenal in the FA Cup. But they're, they're doing incredibly well. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 do you know what it's um it's the first i think every football fan thinks that their life is sort of just full of disappointment and and close but no cigar um for forest fans it i do think it really has been we 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 seem to specialize in a kind of um spectacular failure like a spectacular implosion of the kind where the opposition releases a commemorative dvd yes. because of how improbable yes. the, our collapse was and um for the first time in ages steve cooper seems to just be it feels like there's a plan. It feels like the players trust him. It, there's a real excitement about the place. So I was at the Leicester match um, oh, fantastic. on Sunday, and, yeah. and it was bouncing in a way that it's I not been for, for many years. So I yeah, bet. hopefully good signs. Yeah, well done. congratulations. Now we are here to talk about um, your new show, Pieces of Her, on, mm. on the Netflix, which is mm. a really fascinating um, series because it's definitely a series of two halves. Um, isn't it? Because the, yeah. there's the first, you, you, your, your character, Nick, is referred to quite a lot in the first half, and there are glim- we see glimpses of him, but he fully arrives properly, I would say, in the second half of the series. Yeah. What was it like when you read the script, etc.? Were you told, right, don't, don't, don't worry, you arrive fully, properly, and you're a fascinating figure <laughs> well, halfway through? You know what? You know what? The thing about the script uh, is that it, it's, ch- it ch- like with every script for every TV show, it goes through numerous iterations, and uh, Nick was, he's, he's entered the story, in my portrayal of Nick, he's entered the story at various different points in the series through various iterations of the script. It's episode four in, in, in the end is uh, it's when, it's when he arrives. But I think, so, so actually, no, I was never too worried about, about not, not showing up until, I don't know, the final episode or whatever. But, um, but I read the book beforehand anyway. So I was aware of, of how pivotal and important Nick is to the story, and I think it's, and I think actually in the way that the, the series has ended up um, being structured, it's kind of it's kind of nice to, play to you know it's it's great for an audience I think to hear a lot about mm. a character before you then see him. You know, it's it's it, you know to have a character that is is almost entirely off screen, but is a is a is a fairly constant ominous presence, and then to go back to the beginning and see how that presence was formed is um 
I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was thinking that, that, that because he is the one that's being talked about and he's like as this kind of like um, messianic almost figure, this mysterious, almost like cult kind of leader quality he's got going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really, um, yeah, he's, it's the, he's, the, he's the really the central mystery, the, uh, the centre of the whole thing. Well, it's, well, it's his, it's his, I mean, it's a, you know, Nick, as you've referred to there, he's a character who, he's, he's a person who I think, um, as, a, as a young man, maybe, maybe struggled a little bit socially. I think he was always incredibly smart and incredibly bright, but upon, upon arriving at, at finding himself in Stanford, um, falls into student activism and I think realises that, uh, that I think the interest in, act, in the activism is, is a sincere one. I think like a lot of young men who's searching for purpose and activism gives him that. But he also realises through it that it gives him, uh, it gives, it, people listen to him and he feels seen in a way that he had never has before. So I think that it, it, he's, he's, a, he's a character study in how a genuine and sincere belief in a cause we're sounding very culty here. Yeah. <laughs> can 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 lead to a, a sort of an adoration and a sense of authority and entitlement that could become really addictive. And yeah. so therefore preserving that at all costs becomes the main thing. And it becomes increasingly hard for him to draw the line. And then for him, any means justify the ends. And 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 that is the driving force for where all the characters, you know, find themselves in the present day. Yeah. And he has to be very charismatic, isn't it? Almost like the whole point of him partly is he is this charismatic figure who can persuade people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. So how do you, when you're, when you're performing that, is that you, do you have to, do you just not think about that? You just let it come naturally? Yeah. I, I think, I think you have to try and, I, I think, you know, he's, he's in my mind, he's, he's a narcissist essentially, I think. And I think a lot of, sure. a lot of narcissists are incredibly good at making you feel like it, it's, it's almost a cliche, isn't it? That, People say when, when they're talking to you, you feel like you are the only person in the room. And it's this bizarre, it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre contradiction, isn't it? Because what they say is they make you feel fantastic. Hmm. But that making of you feel fantastic, it's all to serve their own ego and their own purposes. And, and so I think, but, but I think narcissists that, that are the best at it are the ones where it, it appears completely sincere so I don't as an actor I don't think trying to play any type of um, any different forms of manipulation is, is always that, that necessary important it's just about playing each scene as sincerely in the moment as, as you possibly can because he's just telling people what he knows they want to hear mm. um, and, and sincerity what, what's the old adage um, sincerity is everything and if you can fake that, you've got it made. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yes. Yes. Did, about his look, I mean, his look is interesting. I mean, you, you right now, if listeners can't see, you've got, you, you've got kind of a little bit of face fuzz, but, you, you know, you're, he's got a full-on goatee thing going yeah. on. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the hair, he's got long hair as well. He looks, he looks quite messianic, doesn't he? It's sort of yes. slightly, slightly Charles Manson, slightly yes. Jesus uh, <laughs> going on. And I think... I mean, I mean, the hair was just the result of lockdown. Let's okay. be honest, and okay. I think, and I think that once, once the producers saw that my hair, because when I auditioned, I didn't have long hair, but there was such a long gap between auditioning, getting the job, and then us actually finally getting around to shooting it. That yeah, my hair had grown out, and I think it it it, it works really well for the part. The other slight thing is I did <laughs> I did an Instagram post the other day when we released the first look pictures of it, but. There is one particular outfit combo 
where I do look a little bit David Brent in that episode <laughs> where he's got the, the brown yes. leather jacket. He's trying to copy yes. Neil's look and he's got the earring and the Cuban heels. <laughs> Sergio Giorgini. Do you know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because in my question notes are David Brent because you're absolutely right. It's, it, it, it is uncanny. There's an uncanny yeah. Brent. <laughs> there really is. I don't think that was a look we were necessarily going for. No. But, you know, it, it happened. Yeah. Yeah, it works. It works for the yeah, character, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to skirt around the um, spoilers and such, but I will say this. You, you, there is a scene of intimacy that you're involved in. Um, when, when, when is that not, boys? <laughs> when it, you're, you are an expert on scenes of intimacy. Um, my, my, my backside. Right. Makes an IMDb page. I mean, I was going to mention it. Yeah, your backside makes an appearance. Let's face it. Fans, fans of the Joe Dempsey backside will not be disappointed. Um, do you? The, but has it changed since, you know? My backside. No, yeah, that, <laughs> has your backside changed? And it's all about intimacy coordinators now and all of that. Yes, uh, my uh, my backside uh, possibly has. I mean, I've been trying to trying to do some work in the gym. I, went, I used to I started running during lockdown. Maybe that might nice. improve the, the definition yeah. around. Not for me to say, yeah. but um, but yeah, I mean, it it has changed and definitely for the better. You know, we had an intimacy coordinator on piece of her. Uh, I worked with one on adult material previously, and I think that it's I, I you know there is always going to be a danger, or people will perceive a danger that. Uh, if intimate scenes are overly choreographed, should we say that you lose some of that? Uh, you, you lose some. You lose some of the intimacy, really, and the connection, spontaneity, and the, and the actors being in the moment and present rather than thinking about all the various moves they they plotted out with the intimacy coordinates beforehand. But that's really not the way that it works. Um, it's more about there always being an open discussion about those scenes up to and including the shooting of them and for the actors having an advocate on set i think that for me that's the most important thing because yeah i have been on film sets in the past it used to kind of be part of the course where you would have agreed contractually some some form of nudity clause with with terms about what could be shown and, and when and for how long um but then there were a couple of occasions where yeah you arrive on set to shoot it and all of a sudden directors or producers are maybe suggesting that you go a bit further you show a bit more mm. you're on set in front of the entire crew and you there is inevitably you, you do feel a pressure because you think that everyone else is waiting for you to decide whether you're going to do this so they can all crack on with the day's work so and, and i don't think that's healthy i don't think that's right so it's great having someone having a buffer between the actors and the production to make sure that everyone is happy and that nothing is sprung on us on the day. Yeah, that makes sense. And we should say, I feel like this is an example of a completely non-gratuitous, um, it's, yeah, like it's, it's key to the story, isn't it? Absolutely key to the story. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think it's, you know, that's another interesting point in that, you know, one thing I don't think, a road that I don't think we should go down is um, a sanitizing of television mm. drama and, and a, a, a sort of uh, discarding of the sex scene. You know, I think I think it's really important. Actually, the the work we did on adult material, Hayley Squires and I, really highlighted that for me because that was a drama about pornography. Yeah. And uh, so there was you know all kinds of uh, all kinds of quite out there conversation around sex and depictions of sex. But the intimate scenes between myself and Hayley were, you know, the most revealing of all, and 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 they were supposed to serve as a as a 
sort of, they were supposed to serve as a distinction between the sex you see in pornography and real intimacy. And I think that it's really important that we continue to portray real intimacy on screen because otherwise all we have is pornography. Mm. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So, so I, you know, intimacy coordinators are... Uh, a welcome addition. I was going to say that it's interesting with adult material, which I thought was fantastic, and you know all the, the choices you've made in your in your career so far. They, it does feel quite that you, from the outside, that you pick quite edgy roles and and shows and um, things that kind of have have you know they are not kind of bland and run of the mill. Is that a deliberate choice on your part? Or is that coincidence that you've ended up in these kinds of shows? It's 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 a it's a choice to the extent that it can be. For me, like in, in the sense that, you know, I'm not at the stage where I have five scripts in front of me. They all want me to play, to play the part in their show and I've got to pick which one I'm going to do. I'm not at that stage. So I'm still auditioning for every part that I get. Um, but within that, I am discerning about the jobs that I go for and that I really make a play for. So I try and do my best in the audition, and at that point, it's out of my hands. And I've got a hope that I'm fortunate enough to be given the chance to play the part. Um, but yeah, but I, I, I think you know, looking back, I'm, I'm pleased with the choices that I've that I've made, with the, the, the shows that I've really, really gone for, and um, and and yeah, and I, and I think it's always about yeah, I, you know, I, I like shows that that might be divisive. I like shows that ask questions. I think that's where good drama lies it lies in the gray areas of life uh, you know I, th- I think audiences these days are too savvy for, for black and white anyway i think yeah. all of our characters need to be well-rounded and our stories need to be nuanced and that means that not everyone's going to love them um but yeah for, for me that's where that's where the fun is and that's where that's where we get to sort of ask ask more a good drama always asks more questions mm. than it answers as well i think yeah um and so I've been, I've, been, I've been very, very fortunate and, and, I, and I've got to play a real range of characters. And hopefully I think Nick, again, is a, another different character for me. I don't think I've ever played anyone like him before. Yeah, he feels very different. No, absolutely. Yeah. Do you, um, have you watched back? Have you had a chance to watch the, the, the series, Pieces of Her Back? Have you, have you been sent final edits they, of it? They, they've sent them to me. I've not watched the whole series yet. Okay. I've, yeah. I've been trying to, it, it's a bit like, I know that you should for... <laughs> interviews and things like this but oh, I've been wanting to I've been wanting to savour it as much as anyone else yeah that's really. interesting and yeah. I also have a, I still do have an almost pathological aversion to watching myself right on screen I'm, I'm, right. I'm still one of those actors that, that watches through through you know gritted teeth and I think that's uh, healthy I think that's healthy Joe I have to say yeah. <laughs> and what I was going to ask was have you seen the, the opening episode I mean because it starts with an extraordinary kind of set piece um you know, situation of violence, extreme is, violence. Yeah, that that inciting incident is 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 quite something. And I mean, and I think it has to be, it had to be that way. You know, yeah. that that is what sets the ball rolling, sets this chain of events in motion that propels the entire story from start to finish. And um, and it's remarkable. Yeah, kind of what they what they did with it, what the what Minky Spyro, our director, what Tony and Bella and all the acts involved in that scene, the crew. It was uh, it's pretty spectacular and harrowing. Yeah, it must be pretty uh, satisfying that you read that in the script and then you see the actual final execution of it, which is astonishing. Yeah, well, I mean, and and that's always the thing. You never know in in that in that period between. I usually quite like that period between wrapping on a job and it coming out, mainly because it is completely out of your hands. But you can never say with any certainty whether whether something's going to 
be realized as beautifully or as uh, compellingly in your head as and, and even even as you maybe observed it on the day um, when it finally comes to to hitting the screen. But I think that that if if, if I had any nerves about whether that was going to be the case with pieces of hair, they were immediately settled yeah, with that. I bet. I bet. Yeah. yeah. And well, congratulations on Pizza. I think it's uh, it's a fascinating show. It's, it's thanks, Boyd. Thank you. And uh, speak to you soon. Cheers, Joe. Thanks for your time, mate. That was Joe Dempsey. Uh, shall we? Shall we talk about the reviews? The, yeah, hold the on things a that we're reviewing. Well, I'm just left a voicemail, so I just listen to it. Yeah, you'll play it. Play it. But no, hold up to the mic. Hold up to the mic. No. Boyd. Boyd. Hold up to the mic. No. I think we should have a new regular where Boyd accepts a call from a famous <laughs> every episode. <laughs> just calling for a chat. It's fine. These not know it's work hours and you have a job. Who needs a voice message then? That's what I just messaged. Who, who makes phone calls, Beth, right. in this day and age? This is very much what my mum no, does. Okay, yeah, I'll just catch up. Sorry. Just send a text message, David Williams. Yeah. Huh? Do you know what I mean? Just, why can't he just send you a text message? Oh, he does of, anyway. He wants to double down. Yeah. <laughs> yes, time for reviews. Right, <laughs> time for this week's reviews. I'm only peripherally aware of what we are actually oh, reviewing. Yeah. So, first up is Shining Veil? Okay. Yeah, which is on Stars Play yeah. and Stars Courtney Cox as a person who moves into a house. Oh I think God. is that right? Yeah, broadly speaking, and I think the person should talk about this is mm, Beth. <laughs> well, Beth, tell us about Shining Veil, vale, yeah, which I have absolutely it. seen and have an in-depth knowledge of. Wow. <laughs> well, it's been. Can I just say this week, really, like, if I ever, yeah. as if I don't know how hard it is to be a woman, God damn, was I confronted with how hard it is to be a fucking woman with these shows. None less so than with Shiny Veil, which opens up by saying, Did you know that being depressed and. <sighs> and possessed as a woman means that you share the same symptoms and then it was just sharing the symptoms of what it means depressed and possessed yeah to be possessed and (laughs) possessed oh my god we've gone and when we say possessed do we mean by like a coercive controlling man or by like a demon by a demon right okay sorry I didn't make that clear that is a yeah that is a clincher Um, this is and that your women are twice as likely to get depressed as a man and how much more likely to get possessed I mean, that's that's sort of based on this, much more likely. Right. So what happens, this is co-written by Jeff Astroff and, and Sharon Horgan, who I adore. Um, this is about a family headed by Greg Kinnear and Courtney Cox. They move to a house where lots of atrocities have happened. Um, Why and- do people do that? For television and films. Oh, fine. And then, uh, <laughs> and um, so they've moved in. She's still kind of battling with um, a lineage of depression and and kind of substance abuse problems and things, um, and starts to see the kind of residual. Oh, I don't know. She starts to see like ghosts and things happening, and and things start to haunt her dreams. But would you believe it? No one believes her because she's a fucking woman, and that's uh, <laughs> that's basically what this show is about. It's Greg Kinnear being Greg Kinnear, just being very chipper huh. and um. And what are you talking about, darling? Oh, is it because your mum was an alcoholic? And then Courtney Cox being like, why doesn't anyone believe me? I'm just trying to be a good mom and a good woman and it's not working very well. Um, and that's that's basically what's that, what, what happens here. <laughs> just, you summed it up. Wow. <laughs> um, what did you think of it, James? Oh, oh, I love the demon. It was great. Yeah. The demon was brilliant. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. How would you describe the demon? Oh, very demon-y. Like yeah. demonic, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Quite demonic. Yeah. Um, what I would say is that having watched it, 
Um, <laughs> I feel your passive aggression, boy, Dalton. Yeah. yeah, I do think this is the best role. Oh, hang on. David Williams is calling me. Sorry. Very good. I do believe this is the best role for Courtney Cox since Friends. Yes. She's great. I've not right? seen Cougar Town, so I was I about can't. to say yeah, Cougar Town. I, I saw Cougar Town quite a lot. She was it was decent in Cougar. She was good in Cougar. I think this is but I think this is a, a step up because okay. it's like it's kind of exploring what a, a you know a woman of that age goes through yeah. with Greg and his rather, let's face it, dull husband. Um, and she's shagged the she shagged the handyman in and this is again not spoiled, that's that's in the first episode quite yeah. quickly. Um, and the whole that precipitated the whole move, didn't it? Like yeah. she basically she lost the um, respect of her of her, of her um, husband and kids, who will, will know that she shagged the handyman. And so they've moved from their Brooklyn apartment to this lavish, massive, haunted house in Connecticut. I like so I. I I just that her character is the key, and her performance is absolutely brilliantly naturalistic. I think yeah. I think it's just different from you know what we've seen her in before. Yeah. Um. And I think you could easily underestimate, and it kind of reminds you how good she was actually in Friends, and you know to some extent in Cougar Town as well. She's I think she's really really good. Um. Also, she's done loads of interviews for this, and every interview she does, she's fantastic. I I really really like her. Um. So I think she's the main reason to watch. Mm. It's a slightly and I also will not have a word against Sean Horgan, who's created the show. But it's a slightly odd thing in that it's not. It is a ho- co- ho- it's a horror comedy, mm-hmm. but it's not scary in the slightest yet. I mean, I've only watched the first episode, and she's starting to see these dead people, presumably these ghosts, walking around like regular people. Not really. No, they. they, they, they you, you I also, love you're still trying to explain yeah. something you haven't seen. Exactly. Yeah. I was quoting <laughs> things you say pretty much wrong. Oh. Uh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. It's just like <laughs> um, and the team, the kids are quite good. The, the daughter and the and the yeah. son, I quite yeah. like them. So they're all talk about the demon. No, or is that a spoiler? No, just don't really know much about them in the first. Oh, episode. fine. Yeah, but apart from the fact that she, but and the idea that she, I guess the key core idea, what is that? Is she? Everyone's assuming she's going mad because she's yeah. a woman of yeah. that age, rather than as she has had psychological. As she's all in fairness, she said. is claiming to be possessed by a demon. So, well, no, she's no. claiming to see. Oh, James, you've yeah, stop trying. Just... Stop it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> James, <laughs> one James Bailey. You've got to report your like yeah. commitment to this. Oh, God. That's anyway, so funny. So it's an interesting <laughs> idea that they think she's mentally ill, basically. Right. Yeah. And she isn't. She is seeing these dead people she's seeing these ghosts so yeah these are like victims of past crimes yeah. that have happened we in the house it's very American horror yeah, story, yeah it is very American horror story from that but point with like view. menopause yeah and with th- three dimensional characters actually yeah. you know yeah. as opposed to those I mean much as I love American horror story but those that you know he, he has one dimensional characters pretty frequently yeah so but it's not quite funny enough or scary enough. Yeah. Yet. I mean, I'm gonna I'll give it a go, but certainly I would say the first episode has to establish the premise, it has to introduce all these characters and this new setting and all of that. And it does it perfectly well. But I was surprised, a little bit surprised that it wasn't that funny. Yeah. Um and you know, or as I say, or or scary. So it's the it's the classic problem with with this it's a diff, it's the hardest genre to pull off comedy horror you know Shaun of the Dead is, is kind of a masterpiece because it did it so brilliantly mm. and that is like for me the template generally yeah and and um maybe it will over time achieve that better because this is but yeah so far it's fine, absolutely fine, and, she, but she, and she's brilliant. That's my feeling. But yeah, I think I, I definitely agree with you, especially after the back of watching something like Wolf, Wolf like me, which I think yeah. was so instantly complex and offered new kind of dimensions to 
the things it was talking about and then just had werewolves. This one, I don't know what, as as a woman, I don't know what it was telling me that was new about being a woman. It was mm. just kind of bludgering me around the head by saying, you know, you're a woman, no one's going to believe you. And you're like, well, yeah, I could, I could have fucking told you that <laughs> yeah. myself, really. But. And there's a lot of her telling her daughter to fuck off and her, and her daughter telling her to fuck off, which I'm fully there for. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 but it's still interesting enough for me to. I think I will carry on watching it. I have to say. Yeah, I, I would watch it for Sharon Horgan, yeah, and I do, you, I do like it. Is the Friends curse though, isn't it? You are just like seeing Monica from Friends doing it. Like you're always going to measure it by Friends yeah. because it was such a huge phenomenon. You are just always going to be like, oh, there's Monica from Friends saying fuck a lot. Like it's always yeah, going to be. Yeah. It's just always going to be the the way that it is. Mm, that might be enough for me. Clearly enough for James. No, it is. Yes, yeah. I, I obviously yeah. l- loved it. Yeah, having not seen Unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. I will watch it. Maybe, yeah, possibly. Good. I'm yeah. excited about this demon talk. So yeah, you know, yeah, I give it a go. Anyway, anyway. So Shining Vale is showing on television. Stars play Sunday <laughs> the sixth of March. James. Excellent. Excellent. Starts with a double bill, then weekly. Okay. Next up this week we have The Dropout, which stars Amanda Seyfried as a woman who sees. Demons and uh, oh god, it, it's oh no, it's about healthcare, isn't it? That she's oh, and it's a true story, and it's what's it about? It is about the true story of um, Elizabeth Holmes, who um, I listened to the podcast. I think there's more than one podcast about this story, right? But I listened to certainly one podcast about this story. She founded a company, a biotech company called Theranos. There's quite yes. a funny scene um, early on where a journalist is interviewing her and says, is it Theranos? Mm. And she goes, no, Theranos. And she gets really annoyed. She wants to cut that bit out of their discussion. Um, Elizabeth Holmes, played by Amanda. Is it, how did you pronounce Seyfried? I think Seyfried. Seyfried. Is it Seyfried? Yeah. No, is it, is it? I can't okay. do this again. Uh, Maybe. Sorry. <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> That's very non-committal when it comes to pronunciation. Yeah. Amanda S., <laughs> Um, who is, I think, fantastic yeah. in this. And as annoying... So it's it's all in the same kind of wheelhouse as Inventing Anna, basically, which is it's another true story of yeah. a con artist, basically. Um, and unlike Inventing Anna, which I found... Um, which Beth, I remember Beth quite rightly going on about how it, it, so many elements of it didn't work. Yes, Beth going on about... Not no, speaking erudically about... No, 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 no. Wanging no. on about... <laughs> stirring it. Yeah, because, tired, because had I said that, I'd never well, been able to get away with it. <laughs> quite rightly going on about, as I would go on about... I just I go on about things all the time. Yeah. You know, they just didn't really work tonally. Yeah. It was like, you know, not neither one thing than the other. It, it completely stretched the facts. I mean, every episode of that show started with what, that thing saying, some of these things are real, some of this just didn't happen, as if it was like, oh, who cares? Infuriating. Infuriating. Yeah. Whereas this is much, much better. This yeah. is how to do it, I think. It still does the time thing. It starts with her in court, in, you know, being tried and being questioned by the judge or the lawyer or whatever. And then it flashes back to her at college and she's a freshman and she's incredibly ambitious already then. She wants to be a billionaire, she says. It's not subtle. I mean, she literally tells her family and anyone who listens she wants to be a billionaire somehow. But she thinks she's a genius scientist when she's not really. Um, and she has this interesting, slightly ambiguous, are there, aren't they, romantically involved relationship with an older man. Um, I, there are clunky elements to it. Like, because it's set in... I guess it's set in the 80s at the beginning of it, or early on 90s, the, the early 90s, part of it. 90s, sorry, 90s. Yeah, yeah. So there's constant reminders... That it's a it period. And so they they talk about, there's one moment where she goes, someone says, my big fat Greek wedding came in the mail today on DVD. And you're like, oh, 
That's oh, a no, subtle that's reminder. That's naughty. Because yeah. 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 she's got the eye Even later. as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's in the naughty. See, I can't remember. When, <laughs> when, when, yeah. Was it when yeah, 50, my big fat Greek wedding that came out 50s, in 1983? <laughs> when you're in your 50s, you can't remember which decade. It all merges into one. And there's another bit where they talk about the DVD of Vanilla Sky. DVDs, boy. DVDs. I know, but that's how the subtle point they're making is back then we were DVDs and it's quite clunky, all that stuff. We didn't have Netflix, is the point they're making. Um, or indeed Disney Plus. Uh, but you might have had Netflix, but it was mail order DVDs. Right, back well that's then, the point again. <laughs> before they had a streaming service. The fucking, that's literally the fucking point they're making. Um but she is so good. You completely she's completely immersed in the role of she's this very good. of this of this um woman, of Elizabeth Holmes. And um I think it's a much more interesting than the inventing out thing because Ha- this particular thing of her coming up with this idea of a prick of blood can then diagnose your entire health and, you know, forestall all kinds of diseases is such an incredibly stupid idea. And quite far-fetched in 1983. In, especially in 1983 or 93. <laughs> Thank you, you smug twat. Um, the, the, he watches um, one show, yeah, exactly. he's, he's got to get yeah, it all in all. for this one. Um, that I am endlessly fascinated by how it all came about how she convinced so many people and it does try and explain and it does show you the backstory her family story of what the hell was going on in her head which again Inventing Anna didn't manage to do who knows the fuck knows what she was doing in that show so I'm completely comparing the two there are lots of similarities and this is much better and I'm fascinated by it so far Yes, I didn't listen to the podcast. I did read the article on it by Gia Tolentino, who wrote your Candice Bushnell yes. profile. Very, very, very good journalist. Um, I like her very much. And she did um, a good piece on this. It is, yeah, it has got all the components of things like Inventing Anna, like the Fire Festival, you yep. know, these these large-scale scams that are kind of infused with this, like, grab for fame and fortune and then just fall horribly. Um, again, again, it is another one where you are just kind of bludgeoned over the head by the atrocities of being a woman, but at the same time, <laughs> she is obviously a villain without even seeing herself as a villain, which is really, really interesting. I do really like this kind of juxtaposition without even having to juxtapose it against anything about this character, Elizabeth Holmes. You know, she's got at Christmas time saying, no, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I mean, if you, you know, you can only speculate, but if there was a, a young lad saying something like that, he would be applauded and, you know, kind of lifted up and, oh, good for you, kind of championing it. Whereas she is, instantly kind of shot down by William H. Macy's character who says, no, you're young, you're not going to do this. Um, But it's a really interesting character study. I think it is fascinating. She's definitely now having, you know, I'm quite mildly fascinated by Mark Zuckerberg as an individual, if we can even call him that. (laughs) Um, And his kind of, there's, there's a very funny scene where she's being interviewed by the journalist and she's being asked not even playful questions, but kind of base level questions, you know, words to describe you, you know, what's your favorite food and things. And you're instantly reminded of Mark Zuckerberg trying to say he likes barbecue sauce as like a way of trying to be a human being. Like that stuff is really fascinating to me. But he also goes into her kind of, her genesis as as the person that she becomes. And it's interesting as well. This is probably, and you know, I especially after talking about Vikings Valhalla last week and how I feel about seeing rape on screen at the moment, you know, this dealt with campus rape. Yeah. 
in one of the best ways I've seen in that it had to be told because it's a, it's a imperative part of her story, but it's told very much through the conversations that she has with her mother. It's dealt with not in a, what I would call a sterile way, but in a very precise and contained way for now. Um, in a very deft way, it's very well performed between the two of them. I thought that was very, very, very well done. And yeah, just an incredible performance from her. It was great as well. There's there's a scene where she's in front of a mirror at a party, a house party, where she's trying to get herself in the frame of mind of a young person going out to a party. And you do instantly think of her in Mean Girls with the backwards mm. um, sequence across her and the little mouse ears. So it's really a nice kind of bookend to see where she's come from to who she is now as a performer. Super interesting. Um, and I will just, my new kink is Laurie Metcalf. Oh, grammatically correcting. Phenomenal. Yoda yes. was the fucking <laughs> yes. best thing I think I've heard yes. this week. I don't know what that is, but it sounds amazing. Yeah. Like Amanda Seyfried is kind of a way to try and reach out and form some sort of attachment with her quotes Yoda and she just turns on her heel, grammatically corrects her and um, and she's off again. And just don't quote Yoda. <laughs> yes, don't yeah. quote uh, Yoda. Laurie Metcalf is, for, uh, I mean, I, I've used the word, phenomenal was my new favourite word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> she's so good in everything, but she's brilliant in this. Yeah. Isn't she? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I um I yeah I loved it. I'm gonna I'm gonna what we on seven episodes. You know I don't like long episodes of things, but I think I might watch this one. I think it can I, I think it can sustain it. You know what's she's the real Elizabeth Holmes who is waiting. She's on bail, awaiting sentencing, I believe, as we speak. Yeah, she's only thirty eight. Yeah, right, because she was so young when all of this happened. And I was just sitting sitting there thinking, imagining it. What must it be like? Because there are scenes where she's like having sex with, you know, the, the young girl. When, in, in, when she, before she goes to that student party, when she's a student at Stanford and she thinks, well, I should behave like other students and she should probably shag this doofus of a bloke, this boyfriend figure. And you're like, what must it be like for her? She must watch it. Like, I kept thinking, it's so weird that someone who so recently has gone through all this stuff yeah. and did all this stuff is then dramatised by Amanda Seyfried on yeah. TV. It's such a weird thing and it's only... Do you know, what? it feels like a fairly recent phenomenon. This kind of thing happens that yeah. these stories are told so quickly, while the person's not just alive, but still a young human being. Yeah, with you know what's going to happen to her in her life. Anyway, that's my little side point. Did you manage to watch this one, James? Um, no. Oh my. Are you joking me? The authority with which you spoke yeah. to Floyd about this, I definitely thought yeah, you. Yeah, I did. I thought. Why uh, were you actually hang on, so the authority. Dangerous. I, I no, I had no idea what this was about. Sorry, fuck's sake. No, oh I did God. not. I didn't get to see these. I will watch it. I will. I just haven't. Yeah. Wow. Wasn't showing in Absolute. space. Absolute. Um, you, you know this a film and development with Apple, by the way, of the same story with Jennifer Lawrence playing her and directed by Adam McKay. I mean, uh, fucking hell. We, do, we don't need to know this. I mean, we don't need to know. No. I mean, we definitely, we may need versions may need of more Dickens, but We definitely maybe don't not need this. two versions of no. this yeah. story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. But I believe that's still happening. I'm well, looking at I'm looking at the Wikipedia in December 2021. It was said it was going to happen, so there we go. Well, that is The Dropout, and it airs on the Disney Plus on the date, Boyd. Wednesday, the 3rd of March. <laughs> there we 2022. go. 2022. There we go. <laughs> Finally this week, we have a show I have heard of, and it's Killing Eve. This is the fourth and final <laughs> season of Killing Eve, which sees the return of Jodie Comer's Villanelle and Sandra O's Eve. And I didn't watch the previous season of this, so I don't really know how to set it up, except to say that a load of stuff happened that I'm not really privy to, and now they're back. Okay, right, boy, right, this is what I'm going to ask you. So. 
I watched all of season one of mm. Killing Eve and it was great. Mm. And I watched all of season two mm. of Killing Eve and it was mm. less great. Mm. And I started season three of Killing Eve and it bored me to death and I stopped. Now, I seem to recall Terry had a yeah. similar disappointing uh, experience was, with season two, but, but ultimately got back into it and did watch the whole of season yeah. two. So I my think question Terry's, Terry's view is slightly more nuanced than yours. <laughs> I mean, and that's not just, difficult at this just stage. Put it that way. But, yeah. but I mean, what, what are your views on this in the, in the sort of the context of the oeuvre? <laughs> Um, well I I mean I partly agree that I think I think this is a show where it started out with Phoebe Waller-Bridge was yeah. the first So who's show running this one? Tell us. Laura Neal is right. running this one who I think is um, an actress and writer etc but what is it, you have obviously the story of the show is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote that first season show ran that first season yeah. and it was astonishingly great and her dialogue and the tone of it that that kind of just slightly heightened basically it kind of established the character of Eve working as an in, in espionage but like it's a desk job like in a kind of normal yeah. office with normal office style style observations and that in itself worked so brilliantly and then you've had in contrast Villanelle this global assassin who was part of a global conspiracy to kill various people, played astonishingly by Jodie Comer in those outfits. So it, it was like visually astonishing, the costumes, the direction, the writing, the performances. It had everything. Mm. And, it, and, and, and it arrived, didn't it? And as soon as you watched the first five minutes of that first series, that first episode, you were like, this is special. This is phenomenal. It then did the thing where, and by the way, I per, I'm pretty sure it kind of, it was based on a series of short novellas, I think, by right. a British writer and... I think, you know, it completely took the idea of this ambiguous relationship, possibly, you know, quasi-erotic relationship, essentially, between mm. these two women. Oh, it's down and, and out down sexy. And, right, in fact, yeah. not even quasi. Yeah. Right? So and, and so there's that whole thing, will they, won't they? They might actually, even though they are, you know, you're essentially, you know, law enforcer in a way, you know, albeit in, in espionage and utter psychopath in terms of um, in terms of Villanelle, they may well, there's that constant dance of will they, won't they actually get it on together. So, so it had that element as well. So it was mm. a fucking astonishing thing. And I do think over time... The 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 um the sheer hard work to maintain that level of brilliance that Phoebe Waller Bridge and we know how special she is established is hard so and it, I think it did it intermittently so I think second season had most episodes that were great third season had probably had slightly fewer episodes that were that great but it, it did have some really high moments it had some incredibly moving it, it's a show that's killed off key characters quite cleverly. It's deployed that that thing of killing off beloved little characters, and I, I think people will still want to catch up with it. So I won't spoil it completely. So, and as this new series starts, this is this long my, my long rambling intro to the new series. The places where the, where you find Eve and Villanelle are really interesting. So Villanelle, the psychopath assassin, is is in a church in England, de- you know, dealing with church things, church matters, and religious people, and and baptisms, singing in a choir, singing in a choir, and it's fun, instantly funny. Yeah, and that's a that's a kind of brilliant inst- idea to put her in that world. And meanwhile, Eve has a new kind of like shag partner. It feels like yeah. who and she's like spying in a van, and they're talking about how they're going to have sex on a constant basis. He's going to go off and have a threesome. And their banter, to use that horrible word, and dialogue is great. I think they're really funny together, yeah. those two characters. So I immediately, and I think I think this first episode, I've only seen the first episode, but I think it did a really, a pretty good job of, of bringing back that, of not bringing it back, but of, of emphasising the wryly funny tone of it and the heightened, you know, 
um, uh, murderous aspect of it, the heightened violence and all. It had all the elements that that made it great. Mm. You know, I'm not saying it reached the heights of season one, which which will always be the peak. You know, it just it's just that is the way when you've got Phoebe Waller Bridge doing it, it's going to be that way. But I, I feel about it like this: like if this suddenly arrived, if we'd never heard of Phoebe Waller Bridge or the show, and this was the very first episode of a new series about a spy and a, and, a, and such, you'd think it was fucking brilliant. Mm. It's really, really mm. good. It's much better than almost everything else on TV. It just so happens that it's the fourth and final series of a show that started so brilliantly, you under how can they maintain that fucking quality? And it just can't. But it's still really, really good, I think. Yeah. I mean, I I swindled out in the second <laughs> season... Um, I can't even remember why it was fine when I when I kind of left it. Um, coming back to it, it just not to discredit the people in this. I mean, the big talking point from this was Jodie Comer, wasn't it? After yeah. after Phoebe Waller Bridge, it was Jodie Comer, and like what she's been able to do with this role is oh my god! I, <laughs> I was resting my oh, eyes yes. briefly. Amazing! Oh, I was briefly yeah. resting my eyes, and you couldn't see because you were facing away from no, me anyway. Could. So I figured, like you know, like, that was fine. It that was not is a new. <laughs> Low for you. It was not a reflection on your I think reviewing. To be fair, he was probably falling asleep after my review. It's nothing to do with either of you. I literally haven't been to bed. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm anyway. fatigued. Um, anyway. Anyway, what Just was I saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what would Villanelle do in this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kill him. Stab him. Throw for a window. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what she's been able to do off the back of this has been like astonishing. That has been the gift of these later seasons, I think, is that it's been able to kind of, it's a bigger launch pad to kind of propel her into other stuff. Um, at this stage, I, she says, having not seen the third season, it does feel pretty fan servicey now. Um, I'm thinking, especially without ruining anything, the end of this episode of the of the fourth season <laughs> sets it up into what is going to be just absolute batshit territory yeah. but it does feel largely for the sake of people putting it on their instagrams and being like oh this you know kid and eve at this stage comes down to this one kind of image at the end of the first episode um and also, I mean, I've I've not seen it. So all this stuff going on with these Assassins League or whatever it is is going over my head completely. The twelve, the twelve, yeah. The 12, yeah. So obviously, a lot of this has gone over my head. She's obviously flawless and wonderful, and I could watch her endlessly. But I think the rest of the show now is just giving the fans the send off that they want for having stuck out up until now. I think. Um, I still love Fiona Shaw as well. I think she's, she's she, I love great. Sandra Oh yeah. is, is that they're very it? watchable. Yeah. Like Jodie Co. I've watched this. I've actually seen it. It's oh, extraordinary. Yeah, you I've watched. Me. There you go. Uh, but they are like Jodie Comer, Sandra Oh, Fiona Shaw. They're very very watchable, and they they command your attention when they're on the screen. But I was with Beth a little bit. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is this person <laughs> the twelve? What? And he's now, and why is he doing this? And yeah. oh, okay, you're now doing that. And what? So I was a little bit lost. I mean, having missed an entire season. <laughs> but but it also, it feels it feels a combination of things. It feels a combination of, I've missed a season, so I'm behind. But also, it feels a little bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, I might be overstaying this, it feels a little bit like the plot is bobbins. And just a bit like gibberish. And also, I think maybe incidental to what this show is, which is a study of two characters interacting in a way that is both entertaining and appealing. Mm. Uh, and it seems that's the crux the crux of this is Eve's interactions with Villanelle and then Villanelle's interactions 
problems with everyone else. That's a particularly shocking moment in the first episode here. Uh, And then, as Beth quite rightly pointed out, it goes a bit batshit at the end. So, I don't know. Like, it's one of these things where I would... Would I watch more of this? I'd watch more of this to spend time with those characters and to see them interacting and to, uh, you know, just the joy of, of Villanelle, the joy of Eve. However... You know, if you were to say, oh, are you interested to see what happens with the 12? Couldn't give a shit. Yeah. Don't know what's going on. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the 12 was just mainly a device to keep the Kim Bodnia's character, (laughs) you know, and Fiona Shaw's character kind of will they, won't they. Kim Bodnia, of course, Vesemir, adopted father of Geralt of Rivia. Whatever. Yeah. Um, You know, (laughs) how how entwined are they? It's kind of like just a way of, you know, they're crossing, double crossing, are there, you know, that kind of thing going on. And it's perfectly fine. But yeah, I agree that the whole thing is all about the two of them. But the two of them are good enough. They're both so great that I'm still fascinated to see. I think every every any Kenny fan will want to see how they manage it, how they deal with this. How many how they resolve the relationship. Though? I think more than you think. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean it's still gonna it's gonna be on Saturday night BBC One. It'll be you'll get it's gonna get four or five million people. Honestly it's more people are I think I think it's retained quite a decent segment of its viewership, even though everyone is aware that it's not, you know, yeah, it's not living up it's to the Phoebe the Bridge years. I think all that it's doing is reinforcing that Fleabag was right to end after two seasons. I think this is just a good idea of what could potentially have happened if something like Fleabag had gone past that. Um, I could yeah. still watch more Fleabag. Mm. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't even know if we've reached a verdict on that, but I'm so I tired. So. I don't know you that I would realise it if we had. Yeah. Uh, Killing Eve, season four, the final season of Killing Eve, drops on BBC One and indeed the iPlayer. So can I just say it's on iPlayer now? Oh, is today. it? It's an iPlayer premiere. Slightly weird. They did this, yeah, they did this last time. So it's on. To, starts today on Monday on iPlayer and then it's on BBC One Saturday at 9.15. If you Are you sure it. this is 100% correct? Yeah. Okay. I don't make just checking. Up. It's just, not all going to be there, I don't just, think. Just I, I testing. Think still, I, I still think they're doing episode by episode, but okay. it will be on iPlayer. It's an iPlayer premiere on Monday. Today, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on Monday when it comes out. Okay. Thanks. Well, other things, quite a few other things came out this week. What's that you say? Star Trek Picard Season 2 landed on Prime Video on the 4th of March. Yes, Boyd, you're absolutely right, it did. Uh, and that's very exciting, but it's also embargoed. But you've seen a lot of it, haven't you, Doofus? I can't possibly say, because it's embargoed. You can say you've seen it, you just can't say what you think of it. That's true. I haven't actually watched all the episodes yet, because I was in space. So I couldn't... They didn't even have Picard in space! It's extraordinary. Um, But I haven't seen them all yet. Yeah, uh, Pieces of Her, which we... From the Joe um, Dempsey interview, that's embargoed as well, annoyingly. So we can't talk about that yet. That arrives. But it's on. It's on. The, when is it on, Boyd? It's on Netflix on Friday. Okay. Um, Joe versus Carol is and yet another true life kind of you know con. Well, is he a con? Was Joe exotic? You call him a con artist? I mean, dodge, certainly dodgy figure. Also, yeah. aren't there like fifteen? It's worse than fucking. Great expectations. There are like 15 of these in development as well. Well, I think there are fewer in the end than you thought. I think they announced three. Yeah. I think it's narrowed down to two at least. And this is only the first. So this is um, this is the one with Kate McKinnon mm. as Carol, who was the one who was a- accused by many people of being responsible for her disappeared <laughs> husband, her husband. Murdering yeah. her husband. And um, John Cameron Mitchell is Joe Exotic. So it's, but we have not been allowed to see this yet. They have not, interestingly, sent out screeners yet. That's on Peacock via the Sky or now from Friday the 4th of March I'll be fascinated to see what happens there but it's astonishing how many true life you know con artists series they write can't fucking yeah. move for them yeah. um, and the WeWork one starts soon as well yeah. mm. um, there's Mood 
James, which is very much aimed at you. It's <laughs> Nicole Leckie um, is a young um, musician slash writer. She created a play at the Royal Court called Super Ho, which was originally going to be the title of the series, and they changed it to Mood, which I'm not quite sure about that decision. Slightly odd. Um, she is a wannabe singer. She lives at home with her mum, Jessica Hines, and stepdad, Paul <laughs> Kay. And it starts with a musical number, establishing the character. Like, there's a lot of hip-hop and rap elements to it, which you're obviously going to love and recognise. Oh, yeah. A lot of, like, nightclubbing uh, scenes. But it's mainly a thing... It's mainly about... It's really, really good. It's mainly about how young women kind of deal with relationships and men and the whole idea of being online, living your life online. A little bit sub- similar to Chloe in some ways. Yeah. And it's more of a drama. It's, it's not really, it's half our episodes, but it's, it's really a drama. It's not really a comedy, I don't think. Uh, but it's really interesting. Mood, BBC Three, that starts Tuesday. 10.05. James and Obi watching James that. Is, yeah. James is making a note. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Run it down now. Run it down now. There's a thing called the... Ho- there's a lot this week. There's a thing called The Holiday, which is stripped across Channel 5 from Monday to Thursday with Jill Halfpenny. It's Channel 5 drama about a whole group of people going off on the luxury holidays together to Malta oh, and bad this things This is on happen. ITV, isn't it? It's Channel 5. <laughs> All right, 5. okay. But it is similar to <laughs> the ITV one that you yeah. snobbishly This rejected. feels 100% yeah, like that. It, right, okay. That does sound similar, to be fair to you. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. Yeah. The boy is diabolical yeah. I think drops on Prime Video on the 4th of March I'm surprised we didn't think to do that one actually well it is animated, animated. of course so you know yeah. only Beth would have wanted to do it but uh, this is the boys spin-off I do love the boys so this is probably really good as well uh, what else is happening Outlander Outlander season 6 drops on Stars Play on the 6th of March if you're an Outlander fan I mean and if you're not you probably don't want to watch it right Exactly. Six seasons. There are then. loads of Outlander fans, though. It's oh, a yeah, huge phenomenon. Yeah, it's a massive. huge phenomenon. Massive. Murder in Provence, Britbox, Tuesday the 1st. That's the thing with, um, that's a crime series, 90 minute episodes with Roger Allen. Yeah. Uh, people love Roger Allen. Oh, The Ipcrest File arrives on Sunday, which is the ITV kind of reimagining of the classic 60s film, which with um, Michael, starred Michael Caine. This has got Joe Cole in the Michael Caine character, and it kind of goes back to the original novel by Len Dayton. And it is, I think this is embargoed, the first uh, ep- the first episode, but it is it starts with a six-part series on Sunday, 9 o'clock ITV. Well, okay then. That is exciting. I think that's um, it, but yeah, it's a fuck what, of a lot. What? Oh, the Comedy Awards are back, by the way, on Saturday on the Channel 4. Which there was supposed to be one before Christmas, it was delayed because of COVID. That's, that was the big thing. People okay. Enjoying that. Nice. Yeah. Comedy, James, yes. awards, <laughs> Channel 4. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you're asking me, what's my pick of the week, Boyd? Well, let me tell you, my pick of the week is, is one of the shows. Yes. That's a good question, isn't it? What's your pick of the week? I'd say the dropout. Really liked it. I think it's the dropout. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. It is the dropout. Yeah. Fewer demons than I'd have liked, but otherwise, sure, why not? Uh, that's the dropout. I guess that's it for this, let's be honest, very sleepy and utterly shambolic episode of the yeah. Pilot TV podcast. I don't really know what's going on. I'm sure that's abundantly clear at this point. But uh, if you enjoy kind of directionless rambling, maybe leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And apparently you should rate us on Spotify as well to help people find us on Spotify. So if you listen to us on Spotify, or if you're a Spotify fan, or if you've even heard of Spotify, please go on there and Spotify. leave us uh, rating Spotify. Um, yes, and uh, what else do I want you to do? Oh, yes, follow us on social media, please, at Pilot TV Pod. We're on the, the, the Instagram and the Twitter, and also the Facebook, if you're on there. Is anyone on there? I don't know. Please don't really know what's happening. I, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> just to stop. I'm at James C. Dyer. This is at Beth K. Webb. And that is at Boyd Hilton. You should follow us too. Um, next week. Oh, next week, just for Beth, we have more Vikings because season five of The Last Kingdom drops. And if there's anything better than Beth watching Vikings, it's Beth watching season five of a show about Vikings. You didn't watch two of the shows today. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, none of this. Are all yeah. bets off yeah. now? Yeah. I don't yeah. think our, our general preference for doing new stuff doesn't stretch to <laughs> the fifth season. It Although, doesn't. I think our friend and podcast listener Sophie Petzl, I think she still writes. Does she write? She's only written previously. She has written previously. So I don't know maybe if she's we writing for season five. I'm but, not sure. Uh, it is the final season. We sometimes do final. Mm, okay. I suppose the only thing is I'm going to be watching it anyway, so it would just help me out if that was one of the shows I had to watch for next week. We'll but see. you know what? We'll figure it out. But uh, more important than that, we will have a guest next week, won't we, Boyd? Yes. Martin Compton. We will have Martin Compton on the podcast. And why do we have Martin Compton on the He's podcast? He's in a new ITV uh, stripped across the week drama called Our House. He's in Very a new ITV. On a scale of one to ten, Boyd, how ITV is Martin Compton's new drama? Look how much Well, in terms of it being a riveting psychological thriller, very ITV. <laughs> okay, great, great. Oh, well, I, I look forward to it. That should be fun. Vikings and ITV. Who can say fairer than that? I'm going to bed now. I'm not going to lie. Good night. In the, in the studio. <laughs> yes, I'm just going to lie down lie here. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm, yeah. I've had it. Fair enough. Pilot out.